leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. I always like that when newsreaders tell you their name. I think that's quite a nice thing. I'm top, you know, because might, he might want to change it halfway through the programme. I don't know. Anyway, nice to have your company this morning. It's Steve Allen into Friday. This is where the world comes out to play. Lots and lots and lots of you, thank goodness. So, what have we got? Uh, Jerry Horner going electric. That's Jerry Halliwell as was. Love Island. I mean, it, it's obviously not too difficult to find, you know, people to sort of start twerking on the beach and everything else. It's, it's a programme for the under-14s, I suspect, and that's the mental age of most of the cast on it. Gary DiCarlo's died. That's awful, isn't it? I was going to tweet that earlier on. You don't know who he is, do you? You've got no idea. I had to tell the producer, he went, Gary DiCarlo. And I said, and then when I t- the moment I started doing the, the thing, he went, oh, right. Apple pays a penny in tax for every pound they earn. I want their accountant. I want their accountant, please. Uh, living till you're 125? You must be blooming joking. I'm going deaf now. I can't remember names. And I get up and um, have a wee quite a few times in the night. Uh, the dream that sank. Three years in the making. He built himself a boat. Three years. He lifts it and he slowly, slowly puts it onto the water. And it's lovely and it looks beautiful. And then it sank. 15 minutes is all it took for this poor thing. Chicken's your favourite meat. You see, at one time, I used to eat... I do eat bacon. I do eat bacon, much against my, my better judgement, but I do like a bit of... Uh, a bit of... Um, uh, what do they call it? Streaky bacon. Thin... thin no, not, not, not the big fat rashers. Uh, and I try and pick a nice bacon. Because there's so many different bacons out there. I just... I try and distance myself from the fact that it's actually come from a pig. I try and... Uh, Try and, oh, he's in a, such a bad mood. I can tell he's in a bad mood. Just by the very fact he looks at me, I can tell he's in a bad mood. I don't know why you come at your shirt's nice. It nearly fits. It's good, you know. Your hair's looking good today. You know, just, just saying, welcome to Friday, you know. Trying to be happy. I don't know, something miserable about Australians, isn't it, at this time of the morning? What do I get? And why can't I get the happy people? Why can't I have people that bounce in and go, all right, Steve, all right, you know. I, I, I know, and I'm really looking forward to you producing me. I might wear shorts. <laughs> Do you know, I nearly put shorts on today. And, and then I thought, I don't think so. It's not, it's not a look for me at all. And um, yeah, other, other people can wear I think you have to be a certain age to wear shorts. My father used to wear them in the REF when we were in Hong Kong. I mean, he was obviously, you know, <laughs> a little bit older. And uh, he used to wear shorts. It was part of the uniform, I think, actually. I don't think long trousers came into it. Um, also, we got the story about the fake willy lesbian uh, who's been found guilty again. It's a very odd story, as you can well imagine. Uh, Also, the paedophile probe at the heart of the Vatican. This is an Australian priest who I now think is the Vatican's financial man. Is he the Vatican's financial man? This this priest is an Australian cardinal. He was in Australia, uh, and then the Vatican summoned him, and then he moved over there. But these allegations have been floating around for some time in Australia. Um, and I don't, I don't know anything about him. His name is Cardinal George Pell. He is the most senior Catholic and the third-ranking official in the Vatican, and he's been charged with multiple sexual offences by the, by the police. So, but he's he's obviously been over at Vatican City. Uh, they're historical sexual assault offences. He's issued a, a return to Australia. He's, he's issued a statement saying he's going to go back to Australia to face these uh, these charges as soon as possible to clear his name. So it's an interesting one, isn't it, really? 
I think so. We'll have to uh, we'll have to wait and see. He did issue a statement the other day. There was something else going on at, at Vatican City, and then this this took over as well. And so this has kind of overshadowed anything else. He uh, he has to uh, he has to go back to Australia, but he's got to get approval from the doctors. He says he's looking forward to his day in court. It's a bit unclear as to what the allegations are. All I know is detectives from Victoria's. Uh, Victoria Police's Sano task force established to investigate allegations that emerged during a parliamentary inquiry in Victoria uh, about allegations against him. This was this was in October. And then ill health. He declined to return to Australia to give evidence. And he gave evidence by video link from Rome. The Royal. I mean, this is this is uh, I hate to say this, but, you know, within the Roman Catholic Church, there is lots of these allegations going on. In fact, I believe that one pope actually sort of got rid of about 280 priests. It appeared to be rife in the church because in certain parts of the world where you would go to, um, the Catholic priest, or the priest generally speaking, is the one person that people look up to. They don't think that priests do anything like this because they've taken the vow of chastity. Well, it obviously doesn't work because they've had no end of uh, no end of problems so will he go back to uh, australia that well they they might extradite him whether or not they can because he's in vatican city i don't know because it's a separate entity isn't it within rome you get rome and you get italy and then you get vatican city it's got its own police force it's got it's got everything he's denied all the allegations well, he's hardly going to sit there in rome and go yes it's all true so he, he's, he's denied everything. It's not going to go away, this one. He's, he's being quite robust about it, but we'll have to wait and see what will happen. He's, he says, I'm, you know, it's just lies. It's just lies. And so he's the, the Vatican treasurer. What that means, I don't know. And these things are historic, so they could go back 20, 30 years, I suppose. The Vatican have declined to comment, but inside the Vatican, I suppose questions will be swirling about how uh, Francis would respond to these charges and whether his long-standing support of Pell, uh, despite his ideological differences with the staunchly conservative Australian, would tarnish his own reputation. I mean, the Pope has historically been loath to respond to legally unsubstantiated allegations of sexual abuse against senior clerics. The fact that legal charges have been filed means his support for Pell will now be heavily scrutinised and the case will be seen as a test of whether the Pope who has claimed that the church ought to have zero tolerance for sexual offenders, will be willing to cast out one of the most powerful officials in the Vatican. When Pope Francis was asked about the allegations last year against Pell, he told reporters, it's true, there is a doubt. We have to wait for justice and not first make a mediatic judgment, a judgment of gossip, because that won't help. Once justice has spoken... I will speak, which is which is probably the best thing that he could say. He wants to make sure that everything's in place. But then, you know, if this man goes back to Australia and stands trial for this, I don't even know how many people involved. We don't. It's it's a bit sketchy. We just know that there have been um, uh, reports from the the police from this particular task force over in Australia. I thought Australia was immune from this kind of thing. It seems a bit bizarre, doesn't it? But apparently, it's just as just as rife there as it is uh, anywhere else. But uh, the Pope has spoken. And that, as far as most Catholics are concerned, is the matter closed at the moment until it goes into another stage and then we'll, we'll come back to it probably. Right, we take all your texts and emails this morning, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I have to tell you, we're not, uh, I'm in a particularly good mood this morning, but it might not last. It might have gone by quarter past, I don't know, and I might resort to being rude about celebrities. 
which is what we quite like doing on this programme, mainly because we bandy the word around. I mean, just explain the premise of the programme. We like to not knock people down to size, you know. So people, you know, on a reality show are now laughingly called stars. They're not stars, they're disaster stars. And so we, we like to bring them down to size, because the trouble is, they start believing it. You know, in the same way that Katie Price, a whole new world, actually thinks she can sing. Sadly, she's tone deaf. She's flat as a pancake in the voice department. Uh, so she turns up at his club the other day, and she's doing uh, the promotion for the single which everybody has gone, it's the biggest pile of doggy doos you've ever heard in your entire life. They, they very unwisely gave her time on Loose Women. You could see them all sitting there, Ruth staring straight ahead, thinking, make it stop. The trouble is, they're all so polite on that programme. Nobody, even the great Janet Street Porter, ever dares open their mouth and criticises anybody else. They sit there doing the complete, you know, brown nosing of anybody. And uh, so Katie Price comes on and does this turgid song. I mean, anybody else could have turned it into something really good. Not Katie Price. She annihilates it completely. Two bored-looking men dancers... I think she turned up with ballet dancers the other night. The trouble is with her, it's just an awful lot of a lot of sort of glitter around the outside and no substance. It's like a Christmas tree decoration. It looks lovely on the outside, but you know damn well it's hollow on the inside. And that's why, in the case of poor Katie Price, she has to face up to the fact, you know, even though they'll spin any old rubbish they can tell you, like, you know, it's always been her dream, music is her passion. Well, I'm sure it might be. Playing the violin and the tuba is my passion, but I can't do either. So she has to accept the fact, you know, surely her husband can turn around and go, give it up, love, you can't sing. You're tone deaf. You're singing flat. Why they let her sing live, I've got no... I suppose because she'd look really bad lip-syncing to, uh, to something which is crafted in the studio. Because I'm sure if you actually hear the record, which has been crafted with the, with the help of auto-tune and everything else, it'll sound completely different to the version she does which are live. So she probably spends about three hours getting ready, tarting on the old drag slap putting on the fake hair and the sort of the thing and sticking your boobs out the top and, you know, all to cover up the fact that she can't sing. There's no point in, you know, in beating around the bush and, and sort of being nice about it. She cannot sing. She's flat, flat, tone deaf. A whole new world. You know, she's got a boring monotone voice anyway. There's nothing feminine about Jordan. Jordan is like, you know, a naff drag queen. I say naff drag queen because I've seen so much better. And um, and you sort of think to yourself, why don't you just give it up now, dear? It's very sweet, but you're very insecure. Nobody's interested, you know. And then she goes, oh, I've got my, 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 show, my television show coming back. On somewhere you've never even heard of. My crazy world kind of thing. You think, it's not crazy. It's just fraudulent. Trying to pretend you can sing when you can't sing. Trying to pretend you're intelligent when you can't write. Trying to pretend that you could actually hang on to a man which you can't. So that's what the, that's the premise of the programme. The premise of the programme is telling you the truth. I don't, lie, I don't lie about things. I only tell you the truth. Because if I lie about things, then people would come back and say something and say, you can't say that about me. You know, she'd have to stand in a court of law and say, you know, Steve Allen has defamed me. Well, I think we're just told the truth. She can't sing. Everybody admits that. Even fans. And you can imagine what sort of scary fans she gets, poor soul. Uh, also, the healthy supermarket meals that can make dieters pile on the pounds. I think people think, don't they, nowadays, they think if you eat a salad or drink a Diet Coke, that means you can drink as much and eat as much as you want and you're never going to put on weight, which is cobblers. Absolute rubbish. Also, pound for pound, bargain shops aren't always cheap. You can get the same item cheaper elsewhere. But people go, oh, I should go to this particular shop because it says it's a pound. Although I've discovered in a lot of these shops now, when they call them Poundland, not everything's a pound. 
there's items that are above a, a pound nowadays. But I'm, I'm sort of thinking to myself, you know, people do go into pound and they go, oh, I'll, I'll get that. And then they go to a supermarket and they go, oh, it's cheaper in here. And some products are made specifically for the pound shops. They are, I promise you. They, they, they come in and it says made for. Check, check the labels on some of the branded goods. Made for whoever it happens to be. Uh, so we'll have a look at that. I'll tell you who Gary DiCarlo is, unless you've probably worked it out for yourself. And male MPs have been told they no longer need to wear a tie. Oh, dear, the dumbing down of Parliament. I wonder where they've done that already, haven't they? Uh, plus Ben Cohen. I did say more than a year ago, when he took up with that Christina and she couldn't wait to get pregnant, you know, because up until then she she tried with a few other people. They'd gone, you're not, you're not getting me that way, love. And uh, she managed to get Ben Cohen, who ditched the wife. And had to pay her money. I think that reduced the price of the house and everything else. And so, so that was that. And then he, I don't think he's done anything since then. He's, he's faffed around. And he said fannied around. I, I think that's an American expression, you know. But he, he sort of faffed around doing things. Now they're saying uh, he might be doing uh, Big Brother, Celebrity Big Brother. They say, because apparently they really want, he was top of their list. Pfft, what for? What for? It's good. There's nothing going. They said because on, on Strictly he was a firm favourite, and also uh, the gays love him as well. What gays? Which ones would those be? Do stand up and tell me. No, that it's just an excuse to go. Oh, we, we're going to get Ben Cohen in. You'll you'll discover, I promise you, if he goes on the program, how dull and boring he is. How dull. The wife is better off without him. He can stick with Christina Rianoff because they both spend a lot of time looking in the mirror. But uh, so that's why he needs to do it. He needs the money. Because apparently he he turned it down before. That was when he was with the wife. And now he's not with the wife and he needs to earn some money. So uh, he'll have to do it. Yawn, yawn, yawn. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Was it really 2007 that the iPhone went on sale? Was it really? It's amazing, actually, how we buy into something, you know, like Apple. You know, I, I always maintained that I was I was never loyal to any particular brand, and I don't I don't class it as a loyalty. I just happen to like products. So I've got a Mac at home. I've got an iPhone. I've got all the other little bits and pieces. But I'm not one of these people who wanders into the shop like some sad people do, and they just sort of go around and they sort of play with things. They either buy it or or leave it alone. Like people standing in W H Smiths at the station reading the papers. You know, put it back. Not a shop-soiled thing from you, thank you very much indeed. My friend Jonathan Shallot must be over in Florida, I think, at the moment. God, I bet it's baking over there. I bet it's absolutely baking. Absolutely baking. And uh, loads of people... Every time I tweet something, first thing you I always do the same thing. I go, I so need a cup of coffee. And so I've, I've got my cup of coffee now, and that kind of sort of sees me through the next bit of the day. And I've got two interviews to record today uh, for this weekend's In Conversation. Sandra Dickinson... Uh, who many of you will certainly remember her. She's got a little voice like that. And um, and she's, she's an American. But she's starring at the... It's a play that they're bringing in. It's called I Loved Lucy. And the Lucy in question is Lucille Ball. Uh, and there were a couple of books. I remember doing one some years ago of a bloke called Lucy in the Afternoon. And he, um, he used to go around and play backgammon, I think, with Lucy or cards or something, whatever it was, they sort of struck up a friendship. And uh, it's based on that. It's based on that. Tony says, Katie Price in the Eurovision Song Contest would surely keep the farce. Um, well, she did do a song the last time. I mean, she it was dreadful. I don't know why she bothers with it. It's it's so stupid because nobody said, why don't somebody, why don't they say on the Loose Women panel, listen, love, you know, if, if sort of Colleen Nolan is as gobby as she claims she is, but of course she's not. 
You know, because you've only got to tell her she's fat and she goes into into pieces. And, um, and you know, why doesn't she just say to her, listen, darling, you can't sing? Because the whole of the Loose Women programme turns into the Katie Price show. And she's boring. Listen, she killed her own reality show off. I don't know why they bothered doing another one. There's absolutely nothing about her life that is remotely interesting. Apart from the fact she's had five children. And that's about as good as it gets, I'm afraid. There's nothing else going on. Uh, so, more under 40s are uh, opting for plastic surgeries, but she'd be one of those sort of people. You know, people have the Botox and people have the fillers and everything. And I'm thinking, God, dear, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to do it? Oh, as well as Sandra Dickinson, I'll be talking to uh, Eddie Izzard later this morning. In fact, I think he's in first. I think he's in first. I think it's, it's going to be quite an early one. I think he's in at nine o'clock. He's got an autobiography out. And uh, and she's doing this uh, this show, so I've done Eddie before on the program. We've never done the autobiography, only because he hasn't written it. So uh, so we've got that now as well. And Sandra, I don't think I've ever interviewed Sandra. Don't think so. I was going to have Alice Cooper, but I was a bit too busy. I, I said, to listen, I can't squeeze you in, Alice. You know, I have to find somebody else. So I've shoved him onto my friend uh, Moyles, who did him, I think, the other day. So uh, that's very exciting. He's uh, he's a born again Christian, Alice Cooper. Is it funny? He was known for was it biting the head off chickens or something. And um, so we can't play the, these clips, as you know, because we haven't done the interview. I could sit here and pretend to be Sandra Dickinson. But, you know, it's, it's not going to sound very realistic. You know, some, some Steve Allen impressions are better than others. I do Charles. You're a very pretty girl, you are. Very pretty girl, Camilla. And uh, she's in the papers again today as they continue to throw knives. Now they're sort of firing bows and arrows at the back of Diana, I'm afraid. Uh, Labour in meltdown. That was the headline on the, uh, the mail this morning. But the sad story, the sad, sad story is baby Charlie's last hours with his mummy. Uh, they've got some pictures in the paper today. Uh, I don't know at what point they're going to turn off the thing that is keeping him alive. That was the whole thing. They say if they take it off, he will not survive. He's being kept alive by a machine and he's not he's not going to survive. You know, with the best will in the world, the parents said, I think one point three million pounds had been donated and the parents wanted to take him to America. They're not even being allowed to take him home to die at home. Uh, he's going to die in the hospital and no doubt his parents will be there. I mean, it's just the most awful thing ever. You can't, you can't ever put yourself into that situation, can you, of what it must be like to have to, you know, you've, you've fought with every breath in your body to try and make sure that you can do something for your son. And there's little Bradley as well. Little Bradley's not very well again. Little Bradley, remember little Bradley? Well, he's still clinging on. He's still clinging on. Again, he's, um, he's, he's terminal. And you just wonder how much he knows or whether he just doesn't feel very well. I don't know. Whatever it is, that's awful. He turns out he's got a brother, a 15-year-old brother. And they, um, they've they got a picture of them sort of cuddling up on the on the settee together. It's a terrible thing, it really is. I've, your heart just bleeds for these people. Jermaine Defoe has sent uh, an emotional message to, to Bradley, which I think is is lovely. You know, that was after his move to Bournemouth, he, so he's, he's paid tribute to him. He, he left the team that Bradley supports. <laughs> sorry, sorry about that, Bradley. But I mean, they 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 sort of they become best friends. I know it's ridiculous, isn't it? When you think, how can he become best friends? But he he sent this uh, this sort of message to him, and I, it, it's just it's so sweet. It's so so sweet, and it's just so awful that there is. Should we hear from him a little bit of what he said? Here it is. You know, people talk about obviously what I bring to his life, but I can honestly say what. You know, Harry's changed me as a person, you know, um, going to visit him in hospital. Just having loan time, like, like this picture, it was, it, was, it was amazing because 
and even difficult, you know, trying to keep your composure and, you know, not, not show your emotions too yeah. much was, was quite hard because I went to see him in hospital and he sort of like, um, he said to his mum, he said, mum, can you just turn the lights off? And he said to me, oh, do you want to get in the bed? I said, yeah, no problem, Brad. <laughs> so I got in the bed and he sort of like put the covers over and he just wanted a cuddle. Was he just, just wanted a cuddle? Yeah, it was, it was, oh, an, it was an amazing so feeling. Cute. Isn't that awful? Honestly, it makes you, makes you cry. Makes you cry because, you know, there is going to be that point. Little Bradley, who's, who's with his hero, and now his hero's moved to the Cherries. Are they called the Cherries? Look, look at me. No, look, how do I know that? How does that happen in this world? Steve Allen knows about football. Well, pff, I, I did until, um, until somebody said how many people are on a team, and I, I couldn't remember, actually. I thought it was about 11 or something. It is 11, is it? Ah! God, I'm getting better at this, I tell you. I'll be going to a football match next. Not. Thank you. But, uh, no, I mean, I, it's just so awful for a little boy of that age who's, uh, who's dying and his parents have said that he's, he's sort of going downhill and, and you can't do anything for him. You cannot do anything for him. In the case of baby Charlie, they're just going to turn off the machines and then he will have to, to struggle because he's, he's just not going to survive without them. And it's most... Awful scenario for any parent, for any of you. You know, I always sort of thank God that I've sort of reached this age without sort of... All right, I've had the usual kind of things that most people have. You know, I don't think I've had anything that's particularly unusual. The diabetes we've we've sort of roughly kept under control, so we're we're okay. We've had the stents done again, so we're sort of buoyantly bouncing around like Tigger. You know, but there are people listening to this programme now who are probably feeling even worse. Even worse. There might be people listening in a hospital going, oh... Yeah, much more pain, you know. Please, nurse, can I have some more painkillers? And that's what people survive on nowadays, isn't it? But uh, when you see little children suffering, that's when you, uh, I don't know, you just sort of, you don't know what, what to say, what to do. You just have to sort of go with your gut reaction and say, you know, it must be the most awful thing for a parent because they have to get used to that person not being there. And that's the that's the odd thing. You know, we've all had to adjust. As you get a little bit older, you have to adjust to things like that. You know, people who sort of pass on. But you still think about them, strangely enough. You don't not think about somebody. So little Bradley, because there's been loads of pictures taken, you know, you know. And, and I hope that he knows that after he goes, and how you explain that to a, obviously, five years old or something. I don't know how you explain that to anybody. Six now. I don't know how you even explain that to anybody. You know, to explain dying to somebody is some... Perhaps he doesn't know. Perhaps he doesn't know. You hope that maybe he doesn't know. It's just that people... Because he's not well. Perhaps they've... I don't know. I'm just sort of thinking, what an awful decision. And you know his funeral's going to be covered on the news. And, you know, and it's just going to be... It's going to be heartbreaking for people who didn't even know him. But just remember, there's lots of other little children like that in hospital at the moment. There's lots of elderly people. There's lots of people in hospital, full stop. You know, some of whom will not make it through to the morning. You know, perhaps some of them don't have as much love around them or as many people around them as uh, some of these high-profile cases. Because that's what the media's good at. You know, once we take somebody to a heart, we kind of, we kind of sort of propel them up there, don't we, onto a, onto a statue. And we kind of deify them, which I think is, uh, is quite nice. Other stories in the, uh, in the papers for today. I'm afraid we're back to beggars again. Back to beggars. There's one particular town where they've... Uh, uh, they, they, they reckon the beggars are making about £35,000 a year. They're not, they, they are professional beggars. They arrive in cars. They pitch up there. Uh, we just have the drunks in Twickenham. We've got about four or five drunks at the moment. And they just turn up with all this luggage. You know, how they get there, I've got no idea. 
I really don't know. We were having breakfast the other morning. There was some bloke who managed to get a coffee from Starbucks. He's obviously a homeless person. Loads of them down the Strand. People in doorways. People sitting there. And you think, but why are you homeless? Why are you homeless? Why, you know, where are your family? You must have family. Otherwise, where did you come from? Not exactly found under an eggshell, were you? Or a, or a pitcher plant or something like that. And they're sort of sitting there. Some of them look uh, young. Some of them are quite elderly. Some of them look... You know, as if they really couldn't care less. Some of them are sort of dragging everything around with them. And you think, why has it got so bad? Why has it got so bad? It was never this bad in London. You know, you always used to get a few sort of people. But they don't seem to make any effort to actually get off their arses and go and get a job. Sorry about that. The word job. It's a very rude word, I know. Uh, 84850, steve at There's no answer to it. I'm not really asking you for an answer to the, uh, to the problem. Because I don't, I don't think there is a, a problem. Uh, that we can solve. I really don't think so. Lots of patients needing uh, organ transplants. 200 of the 6,500 UK patients waiting are under 18. 200 people under 18 who um, who uh, need a transplant. But in order to get a transplant, somebody else has got to lose their life and then, uh, and then sort of pass it on. Bobby Walthamstow says, at least you get up to have a wee. Oh, that'd be... <laughs> I appreciate the uh, the irony of that one. I appreciate the irony uh, of some people. That's, that's you know, pe- people sort of saying, "Oh, you know, in the future we're all going to live longer," and you think, "What do you mean live longer? Well, how to, to what age?" And they go, "Oh, about one hundred and twenty-five." I'm like, "I don't want to be one hundred and twenty-five. Imagine what state I'll be in." I'm in a marvellous state of preservation at the moment. I don't want to live any longer, thing. 125. God, I tell you, my hearing's going. I was listening yesterday. We have our meeting where they sit down and tell you how well you've done with the audience figures or how you've not done well with them. And we, we, we've done particularly well, so we're OK, you know. And, um, and it's all very nice and rest of it. But they, they started talking. I couldn't hear. I seriously couldn't hear. I was sort of sitting there thinking, I wonder if I've actually gone deaf in the last minute. And then it turned out, actually, they, they were fairly quiet yesterday, so I didn't feel so bad about it. But I did genuinely worry at, that, at one particular moment, thinking, I think, you know, because also, and it's, it's the remembering of things, isn't it? I, did, I had to do my, um, I'll tell you this now, because it doesn't, doesn't mean, I had to do my invoice yesterday, because they've got to be in by the first of the month, which is tomorrow, and I'm, I'm in tomorrow, but not, there'll be nobody from the office in. And so I did the invoice, and I thought, oh, that's quite nice. I am in tomorrow, yes. I am in tomorrow. I've got the best of Steve Allen, and I've got my in-conversation. I shall be here. Not physically as a presence. But anyway, so I do my invoice. And if you're freelance, if you don't work, you can't charge them for a day that you didn't work. And so um, I owed them a day. So I did the invoice, but I completely forgot about it. So I did it, and I have to make two copies. One for my file, which goes to the accountant, and uh, one which comes in here. And I did it, and I looked at it, and then I did the other bit of the invoice. And then I thought, oh, I've got to knock a day off. So I only worked 20 days this month. Uh, it would have been 21, but I had to knock a day off, so I'm, I'm back on it. But the good thing is that there's five Sundays so I said, it swings them roundabouts. So I had to do the whole invoice all over again. I was, oh, God, I'm so lucky. I can't believe it. Oh, look at that. That's the your fault letting me ramble on. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Can't believe I was so late for the news, honestly. <laughs> I moved into another time scale. I was so carried away with it. I don't know why. I was thinking about nothing, I think, I don't think. Poor newsreader Tom's standing there going, any minute now he might actually remember that we've got the news to do. I'm just getting worse. You see, that's what they talk about. And then they go, you could live to 125. I'm bad at this age. 125, I'm going to be completely gaga. 
I mean, you know, they, they, I mean, you know, people. There's a piece of the paper today said exactly what I've said, which is, listen, the hearing's going now. I mean, I did. Str- I did struggle yesterday. I did discover that it wasn't just me, so I didn't feel too bad about it. You know, and then you can't remember people's names. You meet somebody and they go, "Hello," and you think. I obviously meet you on a regular basis. That bit I understand. I know you, but I can't remember your name. And and they so you have a whole conversation, thinking how am I gonna how am I gonna find out their name? <laughs> you have to think of all sorts of tricks to try and work out somebody's name. I'm rubbish at things like that. I'm absolutely rubbish. Chicken's your favourite meat. I mean, yes, I suppose it would be actually. People think white meat healthy for you, but I think turkey is is better for you than chicken. Chicken is so farmed now, isn't it? I mean, it really is. They were showing a programme on the... Was that on the television the other day? Of how quickly they can dispatch chickens. I mean, poor old chick. I feel a bit sorry for them, really. You don't have much of a life as a chicken. You get born, and then they, they feed you with loads of uh, uh, growth hormones, which makes you bigger. And I think... Is it, is it literally... Is it, is it farm to table in something like 90 days? Whatever it is, it's very, very fast... And so you're getting abnormally large chickens and then some of them are sort of, you know, not very nice. And some of them are farm fresh and some of them aren't. And some live in barns and some are, you know, battery. And if they come in from abroad, they're definitely battery. And uh, and a lot of them do. You have to check where your chicken comes from nowadays, I think. Because there's all sorts of places. But we, we seem to like it. We seem to like um, chicken. Whereas I used to eat pork years ago. Steaks and, you know, pork steaks and stuff. I haven't eaten pork steaks for ages. I'll buy bacon, and that's about as far as it goes. I like um, steak, but I'm a bit funny. I'll either eat sirloin, or I'll eat fillet. I don't sort of like anything in between. I like mince. You know, if you have it with sort of a tin of beans or sweet corn or something. That, that's quite nice. And um, and I'm doing rice at the moment. I don't think it's the most healthy uh, sort of food that I can eat, but I I, I quite like rice. Because I, like, I always think it sort of fills you up a little bit. And then you sort of, you think, oh, well, that's all right. I don't need to eat anything else. But then do you have fat days and thin days? I'm constantly, I mean, now that I was, what, yesterday I managed to walk from here in Leicester Square, in London, middle of it, all the way to Waterloo Bridge, around Somerset House, and then back down the other way. I mean, now, I couldn't have done that a week ago. A week ago, I'd have been stopping every... and say, let's get a bus. Or, let's not go that far. But this time, I didn't get any pain or anything at all. So, I mean, I'm, I was quite surprised, actually. Uh, 84850, steve at uh, Steve, as a dad, I think that since Charlie is going to die... Uh, the court did the parents a favour by taking away the decision from them. They get to live on knowing that they've done their best and the court is to blame for turning off the machines. It's heartbreaking. I know. They so wanted to to go for this treatment and um, they went to the European court and the European court uh, said no. They said they obviously they thought about it very carefully. You cannot make decisions like this lightly. And they thought about, you know, whether or not uh, little. I mean, he he can't do anything. He can't swallow. He can't do anything at all. He's just... I don't think he's opened his eyes in ages. So the parents said, oh, he, look, he's, he's doing this. He's sort of responding. I think that's just false hope for them. And so they made that decision. And uh, he will sort of die in hospital. At some point today, they will take him off the machine. And that's the worst thing, because there will have to be people with them to then tell them, you know, at that moment that he's, uh, that he's gone. 
and that's and that's so difficult for parents. I find it I find it depressing even to think about it. But uh, it's heartbreaking, as uh, Mark says. It is, isn't it? It is heartbreaking. Let's find something nice. Should we find a nice story? I don't think there are any nice stories in the papers today. <laughs> My life is misery, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I quite like the story about Sainsbury's setting off the fuel price war. You know, that's OK. People go, go to Sainsbury's, they then go, oh, right, uh, let's go and get the petrol. So it's the one-stop shop, isn't it? You can do your dry cleaning. You can, you know, probably buy tyres and everything else like that. And uh, you can get cheaper petrol. So now all the other supermarkets will be in on it as well. And they'll all do the same thing. And so you'll be jumping from supermarket to supermarket till eventually somebody goes, we've got to stop this. It's ridiculous. Sainsbury's start it. So people will be rushing to Sainsbury's. And the other ones will have to reduce their prices as well. Because otherwise, why would you want to pay... More money for the same, the same um, commodity. Uh, also, you face a long delay if you're going uh, abroad, especially to America, because of their laptop, laptop checks. They uh, they check them very thoroughly because they don't know you might have something on your laptop that can do that can do damage. Uh, also, Bender like Beckham, apparently during Glastonbury was falling asleep. He looked like because I, I don't think Beckham does late nights. I really don't. He, he, he looks like, as I say, so, uh, oh, Victoria, I'm going to bed now. But it's only seven o'clock. I'm going to bed. I'm tired. I've had to go out and have pictures taken and all sorts of things. So uh, that's what's happening. Also, they had this, is this the, the council meeting where they were told they had to let the, uh, the press in? So they did. And they then disbanded the meeting. So it, it didn't go very long at all, did it? It was something like Kensington and Chelsea Council tried to hold the meeting in private, but I think the... Uh, the court overturned it, said, no, you can't. And so they then did it. They said it, it wasn't going to be helpful for the public to be in there in the press. <laughs> I think it would have been. And so they did go in there after a while and they then stopped the meeting. So they've... Uh, honestly, I'll tell you, you're, de- you're dealing with arrogance at a level you can't even imagine. You can't even imagine some people... Mind you, uh, the worst story I read in the paper today was some bloke who claims that he lost his wife and children in the farm was trying to claim money. I mean, you see, but I remember, do you remember 7 There was a woman I remember distinctly, sorry, 7-7, and she went over to America. I think she lived, she did live over here in London, I think. And she claimed that she lost relatives in that one. And it turned out she was lying. I mean, I'm assuming that there are, are people out there who, you know, say something because they, they believe in it. If you've got dementia, it's very easy to say something and... Um, and you to believe it. They firmly believe it. I was talking to somebody, his uh, father had dementia, and his father started pinching things. Not, not from anybody else, but, his, but from the, uh, the hairdressers that his son had. And so he'd, he'd go round to his dad's house, mum and dad's house, and discover drawers where he'd, he'd pinch combs and uh, scissors and things like that, because he thought it was OK. Also, you know, if, if you say, you know, you've got to drive on the right-hand side of the road, they, they'll go... No, drive on the left-hand side. And everything is backwards, I think. But everybody's different. Everybody's different. We just have to be patient. The one thing we don't have nowadays is uh, is patience at all. Uh, Peter says, do you like beef? Um, I nearly bought beef steak, actually, the other day. But, uh, yeah, beef's all right. I do, I do beef mince, which I quite like. Off to see my daughter as Dorothy says Nick, in the Wizard of Oz at the Von Arnu Theatre in Guildford today. I'd like to wish all involved good luck. I think, no, you know what you have to say? You have to say break a leg. I don't think you say good luck. That's certainly uh, what people who are not in the business would say, but everybody else says break a leg. So, oh, come on, Toto. <laughs> I didn't know there was a stage version of the Wizard of Oz. 
How do they do the hurricane and the whirlwind and Auntie M and all the rest of it? And the mun- how many munchkins have they got? We're off to see the wizard. Where's everybody else? You know, because if you're doing a, a, a sort of a production, you know, there were quite a lot of munchkins. But, of course, as you now know, most of them were drunk. Most of them were drunk during the filming. In fact, there's a lovely picture of Dorothy, Judy Garland. Because Judy, I think, was about mid-twenties, but she was playing like a 14-year-old. It was one of those odd Hollywood things. And, um, and there's a picture of her sitting there and the munchkins, two of them sitting on chairs. You could see their three sheets to the wind. And Dorothy's trying to think about anything apart from how drunk the munchkins were. She complained horribly about it. Horribly. Steve, Uncle Ben's golden vegetable rice, three packets, two pounds in Asda. Yeah, you see, but I mean, the, the time I've taken the car to Asda just to buy some rice, it's a bit dull. So I'm paying a pound a packet. So if you're getting, th- you, you you get an extra packet. I really can't be bothered. Seriously, I'm not that bothered about saving, you know, a quid or something like that on rice. But I do like the rice. I think it's quite nice. I'm a big, big fan of rice. Uh, another one here, which we were talking about, uh, little little Charlie, and uh, and people saying just how how terribly sad it is. Yeah, it is. The month of July this year has five Saturdays. Sundays, five and five Mondays. Happens once every 823 years. Good Lord, John. I had no idea how ribbonly dull you must be at dinner parties. <laughs> it's like that book the other day. Do you remember the, uh, the QI book, which has got all those things, you know, like how much of the Sahara Desert is sand? And it turns out only 30% is sand. The rest of it is, is not. What it is, I've got no idea. But, uh, yes, I always like it when I get five Sundays... Because I get paid per per day, so on some months you get five, five Sundays, and mostly it's fours. But so five Saturdays, five Sundays, and five Mondays. Good Lord above! There's no end to the excitement. You'll be sitting at home going, "Do you know that Steve Allen program? It gets more entertaining every day." He comes up with these useless facts which people have sent in. Uh, still to come, uh, she cannot do a concert without swearing. I can't even play you any clips of it. I'd love to, but forty-four F words, one A word, one. P word, you'll have to work these out for yourself, one D word and seven S words, but you can't work that one out. That's an, an Adele concert nowadays. She swears. She was also complaining the other day. She says, don't, don't buy the wine at, uh, at Wembley. It's way too expensive. You know, give your money to, to charity. So she's probably quite right. It is expensive. When you go to places, you want to buy stuff, don't you? And you think, oh, blimey, that's a, it's an awful lot of money. Awful lot of money. So is Love Island a reality show too far? The answer is um, it's trying to get an audience. And as anybody tries to get an audience on television, they'll push it, push it as far as they can. They, ha- they, 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 they manage to find the himbos, which is the ones who, who look like they've sort of wandered out of a gay magazine. And they manage to find girls who sort of, when you ask them what they do, they go, I'm oh, not model. Sorry? Model. Well, I've, I've been to an agency and, and they said, if I get, get my boobs out, I can be model. And you think, oh, it's lovely. And then they said, they're going to get me into movies as well. They're sort, of, they're, they're sort of adult type movies. But I've had a word with my mum and I've not told her that bit. That's what they're like in Celebrity Love Island. It, it really is. It's, it's the pitifully talentless. But that's what people seem to want on television. The, it turns out the TV critics kind of like it. They think it's OK. Uh, it's just, I think it's a bit sad, isn't it? That's, that's the best people can get. It's like appearing on that dating show on the television. Start naked. <laughs> I watched another programme the other day. It might be called, it's where people go out to a restaurant and they bring somebody in and they sit down and have a meal. And, and then you have to decide if you actually like the person you're with. And then afterwards they say, so would you be going on another date? 
And some of them do, some of them don't. But I'm always interested that they're there with sort of somebody with, with a camera and they go, actually, my wife left me 40 years ago. And you think, oh, God, how boring. Nobody wants to know about that if you're going on a date. And then there was another one, some woman, and you could tell that the bloke was the most boring git under the sun. Nobody wanted to go out with him. He said, but if, if, he said, eventually I will find somebody and I will click. And I thought, not in your lifetime, you won't. You're boring me and I don't even know you. But the waiter will sort of come over and then we had a lesbian couple. We get that all the time now on the television, don't we? We seem to have more, you know, I think, uh, didn't Kelly Maloney go? And they didn't show it on the television because the bloke knew that Kelly was, uh, was trans and then sort of got there and thought, oh, I don't think I want this shown on the television. Like, as I said uh, before, somebody got kicked out of Big Brother and they said, uh, she said on, on parting, well, I've got a life outside of here. And you think, but what do you go into the programme for? Surely you've seen it before. Were you, did you really think that people thought you were stunning? Did you tell all your friends, well, I'm going to Big Brother, and then you turn out to be a complete plank? Like the ex-dream boy. What a horrible piece of work he is. I'd be glad to see the back of him. Thank you very much indeed. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, morning, morning. Nine minutes to five. Friday morning. Come on, you should. I mean, Friday morning you should really enjoy because it's the start of the weekend. I don't know what the weather forecast is the weekend. We'll find out in a mo and let you know. It'll probably be... Uh, I'm, I'm hoping no rain. I'm hoping no rain. I was out there this morning, you know, doing the usual water in the baskets. Woke up early, sat down, watched a bit of television, catch up with what's going on and uh, completely missed Nick on Question Time. Didn't see him on Question Time. I knew he was going on it because I saw him yesterday because he, he was going to record a, a show at Sky. Then he was having to... Honestly, I mean, he's going to be so tired this morning, poor soul. Uh, ben Cohen uh, is being lined up for I'm a Celeb. The England Rugby World Cup winner, 38, turned down a hefty offer four years ago but could be tempted after his costly divorce. I think he's going to have to. He's going to have to. I don't think he does anything else. Oh, today, weather. Cloudy with rain in the north and the west. Heavier bursts in the southwest at first. Otherwise, mostly light and turning patchier. Some brightness with heavy showers towards the south east. Locally thundery, windy in the west, cool in the north. Tonight mostly cloudy without rays of rain and drizzle. Oh, God. A bit dull. Saturday, mostly dry with sunny spells for many. After any early rain in the far southeast clears, windy and turning cloudy across Scotland. And Sunday through Tuesday, showers in the north on Sunday, mostly dry with sunny periods elsewhere. Outbreaks of rain pushing in from the north and the west on Monday with further showery rain on Tuesday. Whoopee! <laughs> I think that's kind of a whoopee. Sort of, it's, it's a semi. Oh, I got sent a book the other day. It's a it's a super book. It's a lovely, lovely book. I shall tell you about it uh, between six and seven. Uh, so anyway, so Ben's split. Ben Cohen. This is uh, a source said. Ben's name was straight on the list for this year. He's popular with viewers. He's not been on the television for years. What are you talking about? But they do talk rubbish, don't they, over at Big Brother? And um, he's popular with viewers as his Strictly stint showed, and appeals to sports fans. He's also a gay icon. What? Ben Cohen? What do they do? They sit there, all the mamby-pambies at Big Brother, and go, oh, he's definitely top of our list. What for? What for? God in heaven. Ben split from wife Abby, mum to their twin daughters, after 2013 Strictly. I mean, it was four years ago he did Strictly. Of course, he's been rarely off our televisions, has he? According to the Big Brother people. But uh, he later confirmed a relationship with Christina Rianoff. She's about as desperate as they come. And uh, they have a child, a daughter, Melina. Uh, always denied dating while he was married. But after the divorce, Abby said they would still be together if it wasn't for that woman. Uh, ben could be joined on November's show by footy wag Rebecca Vardy. Oh, God, how boring. Two dull people already. Wait a minute, who else are they thinking of? 
Ex-Corrie's uh, Craig Charles may also return. And uh, Ant McPartland will be back with us. So that's good. That's good. I feel very good about that. But uh, Ben Cohen and Rebecca Vardy. Oh, blimey. Is that the best they can find? They'll have to find somebody, won't they, from Hollyoaks. That's what they have to do. I mean, otherwise, you know, what, what do you do? I don't, I, I don't know what you do with things like that. So you, have to sort of, you have to find people. Then you have to approach them. And then you... Um, and then you stick him in the house and they get some money. I suppose that's how it works. Here's uh, Paul McCartney. He went from London to Hastings. First class. You'd think he'd have a car, would you? I mean, he's worth about seven, eight hundred million pounds. And um, he was, you know, he was sitting all by himself in first class, just reading. Which, you know, I suppose, I mean, people do do that. But, I mean, he's Paul McCartney. He was a Beatle. He was a Beatle. I mean, he's he just amazing. Here's a little picture of, uh, of David Beckham. Wiped out in a clip of him backstage at Glastonbury. Uh, Bex nods his head to the music but struggles to keep his eyes open. Probably had a couple of, <laughs> a couple of drinks there. And uh, he was gurning repeatedly. In other words, he was obviously off his trolley. Uh, he was with Victoria. She was slumped in a seat and looked sweaty. An onlooker said it looked like the festival had caught up with him. He couldn't keep his eyes open. Then suddenly he'd roll his head and try to mouth a few words to the music. Very funny to watch somebody in a state like that. Yeah. We always said he can't handle drink. He just isn't a, a drinker, is he at all? Yeah, a couple of gin and tonics. And then was attempting to sing things. Which means, that, mind you, she, she goes anyway, doesn't she? We've seen her being helped out of restaurants by just about anybody who's around. Poor soul. 37% of 15-year-olds are on the web six hours a day because it's addictive. The web is addictive. You can go on there. You can, I can look at cars. I can read magic reviews. I can, I can go to YouTube and, you know, watch famous pop tunes from years and years ago. I love it. I love it. I don't know what I did without a computer. I suppose there'd just be a gap, wouldn't there? Just be a gap in the corner of the room. But I love it. I absolutely love YouTube. I'm terribly, terribly pleased that somebody invented YouTube and it's available for all of us to go on it. 37% of 15-year-olds, though, six hours a day. As I say, you never ever, do you, actually sort of go down, you know, onto a train or anything like that and not see people on uh, on their telephone. Everybody's on telephones. Everybody's on telephones. Everybody's on tablets. People are doing iBooks, e-books, whatever it is that they've got nowadays. You don't find anybody just sitting there staring out the window. Everybody's on their phone because you can you can do information. You can send a message to somebody. I don't like the people who talk on the phones on the trains and what. They're very annoying. They really are saddos. They they, they need to get themselves a life. Uh, there's also a story. Oh, butterflies start early. This is a rare butterfly, and uh, it's put in its earliest appearance in over 120 years after warm spring temperatures. It's a purple emperor, the rock star of the butterfly world, was seen at the National Trust Bookham Common Leatherhead in Surrey on June the 11th. It's the earliest recording since 18-something. Isn't that amazing? I love butterflies, actually. I do see a few, because I've got loads of uh, flowers at home in tubs. Then, um, you know, I, I do get butterflies there. Mainly bees. Bees. We've had a few wasps, but uh, but bees mainly, and I love, I love bees, because they're very, I'm always very nice to bees, because I think they don't want to sting me. And uh, and I don't want to upset them. So if ever I'm watering, they just sort of wander away for a little bit, and uh, and then they, and then they they sort of just come back after I've done the watering. It's great, isn't it? Judy was seventeen during the Wizard of Oz. Was she? And I thought she was older. I thought she was older than that. She was. She's seventeen. 
Well, she's playing 17 or she was 17. She was 17. Oh, right. Uh, you're always on for three hours straight. How do you come down, says Margaret? Do you get crabby a lot? No. I don't, actually. I don't think so, no. I, get, I have quiet bits. I have quiet bits where I sort of reach... Sometimes I sort of think to myself, if somebody looked at me now, they'd probably think I was, I was sort of just being a bit quiet. Because, you know, because you talk for a living. I mean, I'm, I don't talk 24 hours a day quite clearly. That would be silly, wouldn't it? But, uh, no, I have quiet moments, I have reflective moments where I can happily sit in front of the television and just go click and switch off. That I'm very good at. And then I, I have to force myself to go and do things. You know, you think, right, I've got to have some food. Well, I'll just watch the end of this. There was a programme I was watching on the television yesterday and I, th- and I kept sort of going to stand. I thought, no, I'm going to watch the end. I want to watch- Oh, no, I want to see what happens. It was one of those borderline Australia where some woman had arrived in and she'd got loads of food, as usual. It's always Chinese people who bring in tons and tons of food and then they start confiscating it. And, it, you know, you think to yourself, perhaps you hadn't read the, uh, the card, which a lot of people don't bother. And, um, and so I was watching that and then, then there was some bloke as well. They thought he was smuggling drugs. It turned out he was. Uh, they weren't in his prosthetic leg, but he did have them in some food he was bringing in. It was in tea. And it was one and a half million pounds worth of this uh, of this stuff, which was methamphetamine, I think. As I say, there's so many complicated things out there now. But he was sort of trying to smuggle it in, and so he got arrested and then off off to prison. But they always drag it out over the break. I hate it when they do that. They go, right. And the answer is... And you, you wait for ages, don't you? And it's it's their way of dragging out a programme. So, in fact, a ten-minute programme on the television could easily be dragged out to about 25 minutes just by the pauses. Jasper Carrots, you know, one of those those people who does that as well. They don't bother doing it on the Jeremy Carl show because, you know, if they actually did that, they'd have killed each other when they went to the break. The vulgarity and the vitriol behind uh, Petra Eccleston, now Petra Stunt, and her little short, fat ex-husband. And uh, he's got... Flash cars, apparently he owns, owns lots of... They can't work out where the money comes from. They've really got no idea on this one. And so she says that he was abusive. They spent, how much on their wedding? £12 million. £12 million. Pounds. I mean, it is cheap vulgarity, but expensive, if you get my uh, my drift. You know, people people spend a lot of money trying to be... Because they think that people look up to them. And it doesn't work like that. The, the bottles of wine that were on the tables were £4,000 each. Her dress was by Vera Wang, and it was £80,000. I mean, seriously. You should have asked the woman who made all of Danny LaRue's costumes. She could have come up with something, a oh, fraction of the price. Anyway, uh, the £34,000 a year tourist beggars, the healthy supermarket meals that can make dieters pile on pounds. Uh, pound for pound, the bargain shops aren't always cheap. Reality show Love Island. Is it too far? The paedophile probe at the heart of the Vatican. And more under 40s opting for plastic surgery. And Gary DiCarlo has died. What was he famous for? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, a pretty nice to be company. Welcome to Friday, last day of June. They used to say Flaming June, didn't they? Imagine it was Flaming June for most of it. And then we had the rain, and then we complained about the rain, and then we've got a bit of chilly weather, so we head into July tomorrow, which is lovely. So the uh, papers are full of... The, the main stories I think they're actually going to run with at the moment. Um, what would be the, the main stories? I suppose um, little baby, Charlie, last hours with his mummy, they're going to, um, they're going to turn off all the machinery... 
which is keeping him going at the moment. They, they wanted, the parents wanted to take him home so that he could die at home. And they've said no. That's not going to happen. He's going to be in hospital. I mean, either way, it's a tragic story. Uh, little Bradley Lowry as well. He's also very seriously ill. There's a lovely picture in the paper of him with his brother, both together on the uh, on the settee, uh, which is lovely. Uh, also, the uh, the supermarket petrol war again. We get this every so often, don't we? All of a sudden, it starts slashing the price. I don't. It doesn't seem to work every time I go to my garage. I never get the price slashed at all. Uh, plus, Gary DiCarlo has died. I'll tell you about him a little bit later on. Super book that I was sent the other day on it. It's, in fact, it's a very interesting book. But it's most beautifully presented. I thought I'd seen everything with the Pink Floyd uh, book, which was fantastic. Uh, the Nick Mason book. And then there was the Brian May book about Queen, which was absolutely gorgeous. But um, I've, I've, I've got another one the other day, which is, which is really beautiful. I looked, I thought, my God, that's a, that's a really lovely book. Uh, Love Island. Is it a reality show too far? Well, it's getting coverage. And that's what television programmes need. They need coverage. And it doesn't matter. And I suppose the ruder you make it, the more people will want to watch it. People like things like that. People like Geordie Shaw. There was a version in Wales which was dreadful. It was, uh, it was just people going a bit too far. But then I've seen people behaving badly on television all the time. I watch all the police interceptor programmes and that's just drunks. And it's roughly the same on, you know, it's like Big Brother. They get drunk, they behave badly. They're people who can't mix with other people. They think they're being terrible. It's the sort of people who are the loud, vulgar ones in the pub. You go, why don't you just be quiet? Please be quiet, we don't need it. Also, the paedophile probe at the heart of the Vatican. This is the head of the Treasury there, who is an Australian cardinal who has now been called out. Not for the first time. This happened before. Now, I don't know what happened, but either way, he was in Australia uh, then he got moved to Vatican City. Now, whether or not they can extradite him back to Australia, they want him to go back to Australia. He said that he wants to go back. He's fighting historical uh, sex claims. We don't know what they are. They haven't said that. Uh, he gave a press conference the other day, probably unheard of, um, and he said he's looking forward to his day in court and everything else. He said it's absolutely not true. Uh, but these have floated around for a while on this particular person. And the the Vatican and the Pope... The Pope has said that once all the facts are in, then he will speak. And he's just made that statement, just basically putting it in context. Because he, he supported him before. I mean, if it turns out that, you know, it's, it's unjustified, well, then the Pope will say so. But at the moment, he said, let's leave it until we've checked all the facts, which, I mean, seems the most sensible thing to do, doesn't it, really? Lots of people are opting for plastic surgery. The under-40s. Would you change... Sorry, it's my phone. Um, would, you, would you have plastic surgery? I don't know whether I would, actually. Occasionally, you know, you look in the mirror. <laughs> Occasionally, I look in the mirror. And, uh, and you sort of think, would I... But I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit scared about things. Like I've seen so many cases where it goes wrong. Who want, You know, I wouldn't want to walk in here and people go, who are you? And I go, I'm Steve Allen. And they go, no, you're not. I go, I am. And they go, well, you don't look like Steve Allen. You go, I've had surgery. So I don't know whether or not it's recapturing... You know, your youth, whether or not you think that, you know, by having surgery, it's going to make you look better looking. Because to be honest with you, I couldn't be better looking. It's not physically possible. That would just be cheating the system, wouldn't it? You know, to make somebody better looking. We've seen that that peculiar creature who's the trolley dolly who thinks he looks like Ken from Barbie and Ken. But of course, Mattel have just changed the way Ken looks. So he doesn't look like anybody at all now, apart from some peculiar creature who's had loads of really bad cosmetic surgery to make him look ridiculous. And as he gets older, 
It's going to start sagging and it's going to start looking really bad. And then you get to the Bride of Wildenstein. And they've got pro- now they do programmes on the television of cosmetic surgery that goes wrong because people become addicted to it. They, they become addicted to, oh, I'll have my bottom lifted, I'll have my boobs done. It's a, it's a, a situation which is called boredom. And, and they think that they look better after they come out. I mean, this poor creature who used to fly uh, as, a, as a trolley dolly up in the sky, I mean, just looks ridiculous. Nobody could ever, ever look in the mirror and think that looks good. But he obviously does. He obviously looks in there and thinks he looks great. He just looks really, really peculiar. If you saw him walking down the street, you'd be going, what in God's name is that? You'd think he's, he's wearing a mask. You'd seriously think it was, it was a mask on there. But, uh, um, I did not see Nick Ferrari on Question Time. Um, I, mean, I was asleep. It goes out quite late, doesn't it? It's a, it's a very late one. But half past ten, oh, it's way too late for me. Heavens above. I've got a new pillow at the moment. I bought it in Costco the other day. And it's actually, the, it's a really good pillow. In fact, I might actually go back today. I've got to go. One of my balls is um, uh, my um, privet balls. You know, you get these things that sort of like topiary kind of thing. One of them's died. I've never heard of one dying before. Whether, whether the sun bleached it, I don't know. So I'm going to go and get another one today. And, and I might go and get some more of these, these pillows. which are quite, But I'm going to have to avoid Farnborough. I keep bumping into people who, who know who I am. In fact, there are people who work in Farnborough who know who I am. It's always very embarrassing, really. But uh, uh, nice face for radio, says Warren of Nick Ferrari. He's done loads of television. Robin, I'm going to this uh, this uh, uh, garden party. I went the other year. It was really good fun, actually. And um, uh, is, I'm going to be doing a duet with the Calabro boys because Calabro are, are touring with, uh, with Cliff. And, in fact, I think that's tomorrow that Warren's going. I should expect pictures... I should expect pictures, Warren, if I don't get them. He says, but I think you might sing better with Brian Connolly. <laughs> Probably Elaine Page, I should imagine. But no, I should expect pictures, please. Thank you. Tomorrow, you will, you will send them. Uh, the story coming up as well this morning, the fake Willie lesbian found guilty again. It's the oddest story ever. I mean, seriously, it just even sounds ridiculous when I read it out. But once, once you've heard the story, you'll, you'll understand. <laughs> any, any young people listening? I think we managed to get away with that one, didn't we? We could use the word fake. I think Willie is a funny word, isn't it? Isn't it? Well, it was Willie Wonka. Nobody ever laughed at him. Well, they did, actually, but he had a sweet factory. And um, and it's it's a very odd one. Uh, plus, also, Gary DiCarlo. I will tell you at some point who Gary DiCarlo is. He's only famous for one thing, bless his heart. Very sweet. Um, and what was the other one? Oh, supermarket meals that you think are healthy for you uh, actually can make you put on weight. It's just what you don't want to hear, isn't it, today? Especially as you're sitting there. We went out for breakfast yesterday. I paid. Because um, I had some money in my wallet. We worked out that uh, Darren Adam didn't have any money in his wallet. And Steve Allen did. So I be- we didn't take Darren because I mean, he probably could have consumed the entire menu. But we went out for a breakfast. My God, it was the slowest breakfast we've ever had. Where was it? Frankie and Benny's. Down the Strand in London. I mean, there were only four people in there. One, two, three. About six, say six people maximum. And then we arrived. Well, seriously, they could have sent out to the restaurant here and had it sent over oh god it was slow it was really slow and also i don't i don't want to be bitchy about food in you know these fast places which cater for tourists but uh, they do a cook breakfast there they call it the full breakfast or something like that he had pancakes blueberries well seriously you had to hunt under the pancakes to find the blueberries but you know that was it material he, he had his blueberries and that was fine and i had the full english which was three rashers of bacon Streaky bacon, which I'm assuming must have been cooked about a week ago because they, they definitely didn't look like they'd been cooked that morning. Some little 
potato things, which are presumably... I mean, again, it all looked a bit as if it had just been sort of put on a plate and then shoved in a microwave. Two eggs, uh, which weren't exactly that exciting. One sausage. Well, I'd like to know the country of origin for that. And uh, what else? Some mushrooms, which were cold. And uh, what else do I have? Oh, a tomato, which I never eat tomatoes, actually. Um, oh. Oh, Warren's not going to... He says, can you just say that? Are you not? Cheeky devil, honestly. I'm going to explain later. Anyway, well, I'll be, I'm, it'll go well. It'll go really, really well uh, tomorrow. Uh, so, yeah, so all in all, it was a bit disappointing, the bread. I mean, the cup of tea was nice, but all I got was a cup of hot water and a separate tea bag. I'd put the tea bag in the cup myself. But it took ages. I mean, it was really... It was, it, at one point, I'd sort of... If this restaurant had been busy, you'd, you'd have been sitting there for a week... You'd never get the never get the food, but that's just me. That's just me complaining because you know if I go in somewhere, you know most people. I'm not a tourist. I'm you know I, d- I don't look like a t- well. I don't think so, um, and and so I, I just want to be served quickly. I just want to be served quickly. I just want to get the food, but it just didn't look fresh. You know what I mean? I mean I mean the bacon looked like it might have been cooked, and then they sort of it just you know it's just me, isn't it? Perhaps I just, but then I you see if you don't complain. They don't know, and they don't, they don't improve things. I think they, they should have to uh, improve things. Oh, dear. Warren, what's the matter? Not well? Not well? Actually, a lot of people are ill at the moment. There's lots of little bugs doing the rounds. Lots of little bugs doing the rounds and sort of horrible things. But uh, Warren, like me, hates being ill. I, I don't do ill. I haven't had a cold or flu for, for ages. Warren, Warren says, I want to die. Now, that's just being dramatic. You know, when people say, that, oh, we're awful. And you go, what's the matter? I just want to die. It's a good, it's, you don't really want to die because life is good. But, you know, we do say that when we're ill because we moan about it, don't we? We moan about it. Blokes especially. Blokes are really, really bad at doing, at doing illness. I think, you know, there was, I was listening to uh, one of my fellow radio presenters the other day. And he was complaining about hay fever. And uh, we've got a couple of people in our office who suffer from hay fever, I can't remember if my boss suffers from hay fever. I'm sure... He, I'm, I think he might do, actually. I know that a, a few other people do. And I don't suffer from hay fever. So, I'm, you know, I can go, oh, thank goodness I don't. I've just got all the other bits and pieces. But blokes are terrible. Terrible at doing it. You know, it's, it's sort of... I don't know why. Women, women do it better. And I suppose it's because your mum used to nurse you through it. I can remember when I used to be ill at home... You know, you climb into... I don't know why, but I, I, I sort of... Um, I, w- I went through a, a period, not very, you know, not, not sort of all the time, of sort of going to bed and going, oh, I think I'm going to be sick. But, of course, as opposed to going to the bathroom, which, you know, I know to do now because I'm an adult, you know, you go and wake your parents up. Mum, what, what is it? I think I'm going to be sick. Well, don't stand in here. Go into the bathroom. It's sort of... Well, I wanted some sympathy. You never get sympathy, do you? So in the end, your mother would have to drag herself out of bed, go downstairs, pick the washing up bowl, pour some Dettol in it, like that was going to help, and then uh, and then sort of bring it out. Of course, it was it was the smell of the Dettol that used to make me sick. <laughs> I didn't understand why Dettol in the washing up bowl, but there you go. One of those things. So uh, if you are feeling particularly poorly today, then uh, you have my uh, my sympathy. Because I, I know what it's like. I've been there. I bought the T-shirt. But I'm hoping to, a nice day. Two nice interviews to do for In Conversation. And, um, and then I shall go and um, buy another one of these pillows. Because I like it so much. I'm one of those sort of people. You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
Morning, everybody. 5.20 is... I'm hopeless on time this morning. I do beg your pardon. You have to, you just have to accept the fact it's the weekend. I'm, I'm filled with bonhomie and good wishes. Warren's full of flu and whatever. Goodness only knows. And if you're not feeling particularly well at the moment, then um, you're in for a rotten weekend. Uh, I'm hoping to avoid anything. I can remember once working with a presenter, uh, a very well-known presenter, and his co-presenter... Oh, that's narrowed it down a bit. Uh, came in with a cold. He went ballistic. He went ballistic. He was saying, don't come in this studio affecting me and all the rest of it. Because, you know, being freelance, if you do come down with a cold or something like that, it's generally been passed on to by a well-wisher. Do you want to know who uh, who Gary DiCarlo is, who has uh, passed away? At the age of, I think, about 75. 75. I read about him in the paper today. He's only famous for one thing. Um, it's a record. He's he's famous for writing a record. And it sold six and a half million copies around the world. I used to play it all the time. Um, It was was a number one on the American billboards. And the song that Gary DiCarlo wrote, which made him so famous, and you'll know it instantly. If you don't know this instantly, I'm going to come round and slap the back of your legs. Because it goes like this. There you go. He was the lead singer of a group called Steam. I think that was their only hit single, as far as I remember. And at the very end of it, it has this sort of it goes into the drum beat. And if you were working discotheques, as I was in the uh, in the uh, the early seventies in and around London, you'd whack up the volume on that and flash all the lights and everything else. It was it was a very popular record. It was one of those. I think it was like the one hit wonder, but it did go on to sell an awful lot. I don't think it was. It was also recorded by Banana Rama, but of course they never sang it live at all, did they? Are they touring again, Banana Rama? Didn't somebody say they were? T- they got loads of coverage. I thought they were rubbish first time round. All the, all this stuff sounded like it came from a studio. Na na hey hey, kiss him goodbye. And it, it basically went na 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 na. We weren't sure what it meant actually. Na 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 na. It's like an Americanism, is it? Did you do that? Nah. And so they just extended it out into the song, but it was their one-hit single. A bit like Norman Greenbaum with "Spirit in the Sky," going up to the, which was a big hit, of course, for the Kumars with Gareth Gates. I loved it. It was a great song. But I think he went to do um, he went to do a show once. And they 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 only had the one song, whereas the Beatles, of course, around at the same time, had a catalogue of songs because they had to keep people dancing. Whereas Norm Greenbaum's "Spirit in the Sky" just went, you know, and so it went on. He said, "So we got to the end of it. He said, we just started from the beginning again." He said, "We just played it endlessly, and people seemed quite happy because it is the sort of song you can." I remember a friend of mine once was working in a in a in a, a pub in Wilston. And I went down to see him and have a chat and all the rest of it. And uh, we both used to work with strippers. <laughs> when I say work with strippers, we didn't... Stri- I'll tell you, I did strip once in a pub. They promised me 60 quid if I stripped. So I stripped. And they, never, they never gave me the 60 quid. I was furious. Anyway, that's another story. That was, that was, I was much slimmer then. Anyway, so uh, I go down and he's, he, we had twin turntables. You know, nowadays people have got... They, they just take a memory stick... And they plug it into a machine and they're off and running. It's all very clever, very high-tech. In, in our day, it wasn't. You actually physically put the record on. And he was playing something. I think it might have been Danny and the Juniors at the hop. You can rock it, you can roll it, do the top, do the top, at the hop, pop, pop, and that kind of thing. And I'm chatting away to him and I'm, I'm looking at the record. He didn't have another one queued up on the other deck. 
And it was getting to the end. I'm thinking, you need another record on the day. And he's chatting away and chatting away. And then, slick professional that he was, he then goes on the micro and he goes, ladies and gentlemen, Danny and the juniors at the hop. It's so good, we'll hear it again. And he just put the needle back onto the beginning of the record and played the thing twice. I thought, now that's called cheeky. That's called Cheeky, which reminds me of the place I used to work in Richmond, actually, called Cheeky Pete's. And it was the uh, first proper discotheque I'd ever been in, flashing lights and, you know, people dancing on different dance floors. It was all good to say. John Peel did that the first time, did he? That he, that he ever heard Teenage Kicks. Who did Teenage Kicks? That's right, the undertone. Teenage Kicks. Oh, I know. I love that record. Mind you, I thought you were going to write excerpt from a teenage opera, which was... Keith West, wasn't it, I think. So, I love that. They brought out a follow-up to it. I still retain some of my musical knowledge. Unfortunately, it's all around the 70s and the 80s and the 60s. I can't do anything modern. I hear record because we've got so many radio stations in this building. I hear so many bits of music and I, I sometimes think, oh, that's nice, but I don't want to show my ignorance by going up to any one of a number of, you know, well-known DJs and saying, what, what is that record? Because most of them look at me with pity, thinking, poor old soul, he's going to ask for a Glenn Miller record or something like that. I just don't know what half of them are. You know, whenever I buy the Now albums, which I do... 90% of it I've never even heard of before. I don't know why I buy them. I suppose I sort of buy it, you know, just on those odd occasions, just to um, just to sort of refresh my memory and think, oh, yeah, I'm really, really sort of uh, a young person at heart. I think mentally I am young at heart. Physically, I'm a complete wreck, as you can well imagine. Uh, Steve, when I was ill as a child, said Pat, I loved being cosseted. My mum used to lay a fire in the bedroom fireplace. Big treat when we didn't have central heating. I know, we used to get a fire laid in the bedroom as well. We didn't have a fireplace. We just set fire to everything in the bedroom. And we, got, we, and we got central heating put in. Most people didn't have central heating. And then all of a sudden, we obviously came into some money or something like that, and my parents saved up, because they wouldn't have um, done HP, apart from on the television and on the cooker for some reason. Um, and we had... all. Oh, I remember the man coming in to put the central heating in. I can't tell you where the boiler was. It could have been on the kitchen wall. It might have been or might not. And all we had copper pipes everywhere. And, there was one to, and, the, and the, the moment the heating went on... It was like we were sitting in the middle of the Sahara Desert. It was like, because we'd been so used to sitting there. If you were cold, my mother used to say, put a jumper on. So we'd sit there watching television with a jumper. You'd climb into bed at night. Oh, God, it was cold sometimes. And we'd had a, a, a little electric blanket underneath. So, you know, mum would put the electric blanket on. So the middle of the bed would be lovely and, and hot. The bit where your feet and your head were freezing cold. I mean, I was, I was in a constant state of flux. And, um, and, so she'd, and then she'd open the window. Open the window, if you please. Fresh air, fresh air. So, of course, now I, I have adhered to all the things that my parents did. I sleep with the window open. And also, something which apparently somebody in the office thought was really peculiar the other day, I sleep with the light on. I do not sleep with the light off. I don't know why. Perhaps it's a fear or something. But I sleep with the, with, with the light on all the time. I could sleep quite easily. And it comes to working in studios. Because... Uh, in the early days of LBC, I uh, we ha used to have a break at the end of the programme at five in the morning till six. And so I would just lie down on the floor and have a, have, a, have a nap for an hour with the lights on. And so now it doesn't bother me. I can sleep anywhere. I can sleep with noise, lights on. I mean, it could be drilling and it wouldn't. Well, maybe not drilling, but uh, that's the way it is. But the, the way you describe the bacon in your breakfast, but you never mentioned the sausage. Did it taste nice or it was rubbish? Um, uh... I don't think it was the greatest sausage in the world, you know. And I have eaten nice sausages before, but um, not, not, not so great. I thought, 
For six quid, I thought it was probably a wee bit overpriced, but the service was so slow. But I still tipped. I still tipped. You know, because I'm good like that. Uh, Jamie says, I recently went to Ikea and tried out one of their beds and the pillow on it. It was very soft. My head sank into it. I had to buy one. 35 quid. I won't tell people what it's called because I, I don't know that uh, particular pillow. I paid 20 quid for my pillow the other day in Costco. And it's, a, it's like a memory foam. You know, you take it out the packet and it was rolled up and then all of a sudden it expanded, you know, on the bed. I mean, not vast, but it's, and it's really comfy. Very, very comfy. And um, somebody says, you do sneeze a lot in the studio. I don't sneeze a lot at all. I've had, I've had a couple of little sneezes. <coughs> you know, things like that. But mind you, I always know when I'm going to sneeze. And I always warn people, I always, you know, just in case you're too near to the radio. I don't know, it might carry through the, uh, through the microphone, but I, I, have, I have sneezed in the past. I thought it was hay fever, but it, it's not. It's probably just an allergic reaction to dust or something. I don't know. I don't know what makes you sneeze. I've got no, and I don't, to be honest, please don't write in and tell me. It's not one of those sort of programmes. It's like, oh, this is, you have to write. Did you get, oh, did yesterday, did you get poster hour with O'Brien? Brilliant. What about that person who phoned up who had that uh, Village of the Damned poster? I thought that was amazing. Amazing. But, uh, yeah, so um, so the sneezing, I don't know what it is. There must be something. Perhaps you sort of breathe in some sort of dust and then you sneeze. Uh, and then, you know, you know when it's sometimes very sunny, you take your glasses off and you look up at the sun to make you sneeze. Perhaps it's like that. Like that? Oh, just me again. Uh, 84850, oh, steve at uk. Uh, regarding plastic surgery, it's actually down 40% this year. I think more people go up... Oh, my, oh the computer turned itself off. It's come back on again. Oh, God, not those, not those spirits again in the studio. I don't like things like that. Yeah, it's, it's 40% of more under 40s opting for plastic surgery. I know people go abroad to have things done and have their teeth done and everything else. To be honest with you, I'd only stay here. I've heard of people going to Russia for facelifts. And things like that. Why would you want to do that? I wouldn't want to do that at all. Poland you could probably go to. I think it's cheaper to have dentistry over there than it is over here. But, you know, as with anything, go on recommendations. Really, it's, it's the best thing to do. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. It's interesting, isn't it? I was talking about the, uh, the cosmetic surgery and talking about rich people who have cosmetic surgery. And I mentioned the bride of Wildenstein, Jocelyn whose uh, cosmetic surgery, has, she's obviously got some sort of illness, some addiction, because it's just gone from bad to worse. Anyway, she was part of a very big divorce settlement. And, uh, in fact, I think the payout was something like $4.2 billion. 4.2. I mean, it's a huge amount of money. As part of the eventual settlement, Jocelyn was given how much a month to run her household? Answer, £750,000 a month. Three quarters of a million pounds a month to run the household. That's why, because apparently she claimed that because she'd had all this luxury and servants and everything else, she couldn't even boil an egg. And you think, well, you must learn. You must learn. You know, ask one of the television chefs. I'll tell you how to boil an egg. It can't be that complicated. It's just people who become so useless. And they sort of swat around, talking about this vulgarity and vitriol behind uh, Petra's stunt and her husband, James, the one who came outside the court the other day and stuck his finger up to the press. Silly little man. Silly little man. But uh, he apparently would think nothing of spending £20,000 in a nightclub on booze to entertain his friends. And you think, I think that's just a made-up story. I'd like to see the receipts from the nightclubs where he spent 20,000 quid on booze for his friends. Because nobody knows where his money's come from. In fact, nobody's even sure whether there is any money. That's the bizarre thing. He signed a prenup. 
uh, before he sort of went into this. So, I mean, the whole thing could be smoke and mirrors. Either way, people like it because it's the Ecclestons, because both girls seem a bit ditzy. He seems just a bit deeply unpleasant. Not even attractive. You can understand it. She's got that much money. You'd think she'd have picked somebody who was good-looking. I mean, good heavens above. I mean, there are must be people out there who are good-looking or pleasant. But uh, she said um, <laughs> he was abusive, he was this and that, and he's contesting it. And Oh, God, honestly. I just love these sort of things. It's, very, it's only because it contains a lot of money. And that's the only reason we like it. Uh, there's um, a fame-hungry teenager here who shot dead her boyfriend. And the reason she shot him dead, because... Um, she thought that if she aimed a gun at him and he was holding an encyclopaedia in front of him, um, that would stop the bullet. Duh. Seriously. Pregnant Mona Lisa Perez blasted Pedro Ruiz III in the chest as their daughter, three, watched in Minnesota. Perez, who faces now manslaughter charge, had tweeted the stunt was Pedro's idea. An aunt of Pedro said he told her, we want viewers, we want to get famous. So he holds... An encyclopaedia in front of him to stop the bullet. I mean, hello? They must be the dumbest people. Well, he's dead now, so, I mean, it's... But it was sort of death by YouTube. They wanted to be famous. That's how That's how sad, how sad the world has become when somebody wants loads of hits on YouTube, want to be famous. And you see them on the television, they go, I want to be famous. And so they behave very badly, and you think, you're doing it all wrong. Like that stupid girl who actually had sex on television. And then sort of, and then proudly was like, yeah, so my mother thought it was OK and all the rest of it. And then now goes around telling everybody who can be bothered to listen to her that uh, don't ever do it because it's the worst thing you can ever do. And you think, well, hello, we knew that. Apparently the dim one in this in this scenario um, didn't know it. But as I say, she'll 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 disappear completely. Uh, the other story, which is the most peculiar story, and I, I beg your pardon if, I, if I'm doing it. This is a lesbian who who used a fake willy to trick a blindfolded woman into thinking she was having sex with a man, was found guilty for a second time. We already had it once, now, now the second time. This is Gail Newland, who got eight years in 2015, but was freed on appeal last year, screamed after being convicted of retrial, I can't go back to jail. Well, you are. In fact, you are now. She pretended to be a man, and um, she, she's a private schoolgirl. She seduced her victims online, posing as a half-Filipino, half-Latino male called Kai Fortune. I've said to you before, have I not, and we've warned people before, and everybody will tell you exactly the same. When you think you're talking to somebody on the internet, are you sure that's the person? You know, if, if, you're, a, if you're a young guy, are you sure the person you're talking to is a woman? The answer is, of course not, because people, like this woman, she was, she'd been operating on the internet for ages and ages, pretending to be a man. She came up with a, with a profile and chatted away to people uh, just so she could seduce these, uh, these straight people. It's really bizarre. It's the most bizarre story, but it's not the first time I've heard of anything like that. Uh, I've heard about it before. I've heard of people, you know, who are lured onto the internet, and they reckon that the majority of people... Um, access all sorts of not. I, I, to be honest with you, I've heard of. Is it the dark internet or something like that? The dark web. I, I wouldn't even know where it was. It's apparently on the computer or something. Or you find. I really wouldn't know. I don't even know what's in it. I've just heard people have said it's dark. If it says the word dark in it, I'm I'm not going anywhere near anything like that. But I wouldn't know where it was. But some people actively hunt it out, and you can buy things, and you can do all sorts. It's just. It's sort of. It's it's for really really sick people. That that's what it's for. That's what I'm assuming it's for. 
I don't know, because it hasn't uh, hasn't sort of come up in, in my life at all, so I've got no idea about it, apart from people talk about it. But they reckon that it is impossible to police the internet. It is physically impossible, because it is so big. You know, you access something, and I mean, I don't open up anything that I've got no idea what it is. I, I check very, very carefully. Uh, still, occasionally, I get Russian girls in my area who want to meet me for a good time. Boy, are they in for a disappointment. <laughs> Russian girl in your area wants to meet you. I'm very close. I thought, you could, you could be in the room. It wouldn't make any difference. You could be standing there stark naked. But they always do that, don't they? They always sort of say, you know. And also, they're constantly telling me about how they can enhance my love life. I seriously don't want my love life enhanced. Thank you. Not now, not ever again. Nice cup of cocoa and a rich tea biscuit to dunk in it would suit me fine. Well, filling that a really, really good cooked breakfast. I was going to take him to the hotel over the way here, but it's like 26 quid for breakfast. It's it's a buffet breakfast, or buffet, and it's so expensive. It's ridiculous. Here's a, here's a poor old man in the papers here. If we can have a laugh at somebody, let's have a laugh at Richard Ogilvy. Uh, Richard Ogilvy is 75. Nothing the matter with that. But he bought um, a boat, the Sea Wraith, on eBay from a private owner 10 years ago. Since 2013... Spare a thought for this man. He's 75. Don't laugh yet, please. Since 2013, he has worked eight hours a day, ripping off the fibreglass deck, breathing... Uh, sorry, treating the rotten deck in the hull. He planned a maiden voyage in forest in Scotland. But he and two sons watched it sink. He had a crane. And it was craned into the water. <laughs> and uh, he's an ex-sawmill worker. Uh, he used, you know, all sorts of bits and pieces and, um, and, and the crane puts it in the water and it's great. And look, uh, uh, I'm sure it's getting lower. You know, when you look at something, you think, is it leaning? Is it, is it leaning? No, it's sinking. And it sank. In 15 minutes, it was at the bottom of the river. Never to be returned again. Isn't that, isn't that absolutely awful? I feel a bit sorry for him, but quite clearly, you know, when he bought this piece of rubbish... He says, obviously, a boat is much better when it floats. But when we finally get it sailing, we'll have a few beers, look back and laugh. Well, unfortunately, everybody's laughing at you now because it's just a complete and utter waste of time. Three years wasted. Stripping all the fibre. It would have been easy to go and buy another boat. My father had a boat. We ended up giving it to the Sea Scouts. It was only a little tiny thing with a little sort of put-put engine in it. And we used to poodle up and down the Kennet and Avon Canal. It was quite nice, you know. But uh, I never quite got into the thing. We, We did rent a boat once. We went on uh, one of these companies where they rent you long boats. And I, and I, I, I can only remember the fact that we were on there. You banged your head on the blooming ceiling because it was quite low. So it was like a canal barge. And it was lovely. It was very sweet and all the rest of it. My mum cooked. Boy, did she cook. And, uh, and then we'd moor up each night. And I remember one night we, we, we found a lovely little spot. We thought, God, nobody's discovered this. It was really great. So we moored up. And there was a field right next to it. So you could play in the field. And then we go back to the boat and all the rest of it. And it was brilliant. We were on, a, I think it was about a seven-day holiday. And with these boats, there's not much to them. It's just the engine. And you steer the tiller at the back. So we couldn't work out why there was nobody who'd moored up on this really pretty stretch of the river. So we sort of played in the field, got back in at night, cup of cocoa, into bed. Woke up in the morning. No river. The river, it was tidal. The river had gone. We were sitting on a mud bank, still with the same pretty field next to us. It looked delicious. It was, and, and, and that was it. There was no water. 
We had to wait 24 hours for the water to come back in again. It was the... Honestly, we laughed at the time. Well, Mother didn't. She was furious with, with Dad for mooring up in this place. Yeah, well, I was I supposed to know? We didn't know it was tidal. But there was just nothing. Absolutely nothing. And it sloped down. And, uh, of course, we, we, we thought it was great. So that was the end of the... Um, of the family going out on the boat, I'm afraid we didn't. We, we didn't. We decided not to do it again. But I do love people. I used to live in Staines. Somebody's got to, and um, and we used to see people mooring up at a lot of the riverside pubs there with their rented boats. We knew they were rented because it had host seasons holidays written on the side. But they all pretended that it was their boat. You know, as you do, you do, don't you? If, if you ever go and rent a nice car, you like to pretend that's your car. You've rented a nice car, so you like people to look at you and go, oh, that's a nice car you've got there. And uh, all these host seasons boats would line up. And then you get the people who really have got a big boat and they dress up a little bit like Hyacinth Bouquet. Very much like that, with the, the captain's thing, the whites and all the rest of it. Ahoy there, shipmates. And off they poodle up and down, you know, all over the place. Hampton Court Palace, there's a big marina there. And there's quite clearly one-upmanship. There has to be one-upmanship because some people have got bigger boats than other people. And you could spend a fortune. I've actually been on a million-pound boat, which is nothing. Nowadays, 13, 14, 15 million. This is for, you know what I call ordinary people. Then you go to the super yachts where 600 million, 300 million, whatever it happens to be. Uh, and, and, and it's lovely, but I can imagine if you joined the yacht club at Hampton Court, there would be a lot of one-upmanship. We've got a yacht club in, in Twickenham. And that's, like, that's just, that's a, they've got a clubhouse and they sort of have a bit of booze and, and they have barbecues and stuff like that. And that's quite nice. That's quite nice. And they've got boats. I keep being invited out onto, onto some of these boats. And uh, it's just finding the time to actually do it. I mean, talking of boats, I mean, you know, the, the, the one person who's got... Because the richer you are, you've got to have a big boat. Roman Abramovich, or Abramovich, depending on how you pronounce it, has a super yacht, which cost, wait for it, 1.5 billion. I mean, I'm assuming this is one... When we were in Cannes years ago, uh, we did see a... Oh, God, it's, it's like a... Oh, my God. It's it, built by uh, Blom Voss. It's, it's, it's like a, a ferry... I mean, I wouldn't imagine how, how many crew it takes on that. Six people? We did see one which had a helicopter on it. God, it's enormous. It, it, to be honest with you, it could be a World War ship. They think it's the world's largest super yacht. It was. It's been now eclipsed. Uh, it was owned by Sheikh Khalifa bin Zayed Al Nayan, President of the United Arab Emirates. Just imagine if they found the oil somewhere else. <laughs> but anyway, this one, Mr Abramovich's eclipse has an estimated gross tonnage of 13,500 GT. I don't know what that is. Maximum speed of 22 knots. Uh, four diesel engines. It can accommodate... Wait for this. So it costs £1.5 billion, but it can only accommodate 36 guests in comfort, as opposed to being squashed into a lifeboat. It's got a cinema, conference facilities, children's playroom, beauty salon, dance floor, swimming pool and sauna. Sounds quite dull, really, doesn't it? Only 36 guests. I'd be expecting a bit more than that. Can we have a party for 100? Unfortunately, you need to spend 3 billion if you want that. Why don't they just buy an old DFDS Seaways ferry and just have it converted? Make it a lot easier, wouldn't it? But you can have anything done on these ships. I think Sunseeker will sort of, they, they will customise boats for you. Sounds delicious. I mean, to be honest with you, they say the best time is when you buy a boat. The next exciting thing in your life is when you get rid of it. Because you never use it as much as you think you will. You think we'll be out there every day. No, there's a limit to how many times you can pootle up and down the Thames, let me tell you. But in the summer, it's very busy. And I love, I love looking at it. We always wave. If I'm on the towpath, I have to, I wave at boats. I'm sad. Seriously. I it's like, you know, if, if, if you're in, in a caravan at the moment and you see other people caravanning, 
you wave as well. You see, you see them coming towards you and you think, caravan club member, you see the little flag, the little pennant, and we all wave. I do it now. If ever I'm on one of these boats, kids on the towpath wave, I wave back. I don't know them. I just wave. You know, it's a nice thing to do. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Coming up 10 to 6 if you're uh, clock-watching or you're trying to bolt down. the. I've often wanted to be one of these people who wanders onto the railway station eating toast. I've just always... just fact, People look at you going, where'd you get that from? You know, because that, that would be the sort of thing. Toast with peanut butter. Or failing that, taking on a little toaster onto the train and actually making your own toast. Because you do have some... Tra- well, they, well, they have... You can plug in. There's a plug socket there. Oh, what's it for? No, no, no. This, this is the ones on, on our trains, on South Western. They're plugging... People plug their uh, computers in. Oh, yeah, we've got posh... Heavens above. We, we've got a driver and everything. And a guard. We've got the whole... We've got the whole caboodle. So, in theory, you could plug your toaster in and make yourself some... Or make, make yourself some waffles. I wonder if anybody had said, excuse me, what do you think you're doing? I'm just having a piece of toast. What's it got to do with you? I'm having breakfast, all right? People sit there doing their makeup. I could sit there having peanut butter on toast. Get out little packets of butter. It'd be so funny, wouldn't it? I wonder if anybody would say anything to you. <laughs> I've always wanted to get onto a train. And they'd go, excuse me, excuse me. And then set up a shower. And, uh, and just take all your clothes off. I've got this thing about taking clothes off at the moment. Don't worry, it's not catching. And, and stand under a shower. And say, la, 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 la. Once you get to Clapham Junction, people what's he doing? He's having a shower. Who is it? That's Steve Allen. Good dear. Healthy supermarket meals. Is anything healthy in a supermarket? Seriously. I mean, to be brutally honest with you, you know, I always think if it says healthy, it probably means it's not. And they've got things here from the supermarkets, like Asda, chicken and fiery cheese salad. Fiery cheese salad. Um, And so calories, 549. Over in Morrison's, chicken and bacon pasta salad. 632 calories. It's a lot, isn't it? It is a lot. Salt, 2.54 grams. Good grief. Tesco, cheese-layered salad, 594 calories. Waitrose, crisp and crunchy chicken Caesar salad, 361 calories. Well, I was heading in the right direction. Uh, Sainsbury's, honey and mustard chicken pasta salad, 649 calories. Seriously, this is not good. Uh, versions containing cheese, olives or bacon are packed with fat, salt and calories. Uh, dieters are being urged to read the ingredients list and nutritional values to avoid being hoodwinked. Apparently Waitrose's marinated feta tomato calamata olive salad had 2.9 grams of salt, nearly half the approved 6 grams. Morrison's chicken and bacon pasta salad, 632 calories, almost a third... Of the recommended 2,000. Martin Isaac, who's from the website Can I Eat It, said salad conjures up an image of a healthy alternative. However, with cheese, olives and bacon. Caesar salad, for example, can have very high levels of fat, saturated fat, salt and calories. It's not good for your health or your diet. Because we think salad good, don't we? Or salad bit good. It's the added extras. The added. I think people think that perhaps it cancels it out. Perhaps if, if you have a salad... And then there's cheese on there. That cancels out. But it doesn't. And if it's got chicken, and if it's got olives, again, salt and all these... So, really, you know, salad podger. Salad dodger. You shouldn't really eat that sort of stuff. You should avoid it. Because I, I, I sometimes see a salad, and I think, oh, that's nice. And then you go, oh, God, it's got 
It's got uh, pasta in it. How boring is that? Pasta. You wait till I discover the person who invented that. They'll be going home in a wheelchair, I'm telling you. Ghastly stuff. Pasta. Have pasta. The only one I ever liked, they did a, one of those things. You know where you get all the ingredients and you sort of allegedly make it yourself? And it was little bow tie pasta, which I thought was quite cute, actually. And it came with a mushroom sauce and something. And you just sort of emptied it into the thing. And it was quite nice, but dull. Dull, 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 dull. Seriously. Pasta can never be exciting. I don't care what you put it with. I've seen all the sauces. Do not please write in with your favourite pasta recipe. I'm not remotely interested. But it was the bow tie pasta I could get my head around. I've also tried, what's that other stuff? Like little parcels, which has got sort of ricotta in it or something like that, which you also put with these sauces. It's another one of those sort of dishes you get in an Italian restaurant. And again, that was another dull thing, I'm afraid. And they do lots of them. You go to any of the uh, any of the supermarkets and they've all got pasta... And what is that stuff? It comes in little squares and it's there's two bits, two squares together with a little filling in the middle of it. And you put it in hot water. Come on, somebody, you know these things. You know these things. I, can't think, I can see it, but I can't remember what it's called. Perhaps it is pasta. Perhaps that is pasta. It's always got ricotta and spinach or something or it's got mincemeat in it. I can't. Perhaps it's pasta. I don't know. I just keep I see pasta and I see twirly things. I don't know why I see twirly things. It is called pasta, isn't it? Something pasta parcels or something stupid. There's something... Ravioli. What's that look like? Show me a picture of ravioli. That's it. Yeah, it's that. <laughs> it's, it's ra- actually, it doesn't quite look as good as that. That one looks quite nice, actually. Yeah, ravioli. That's dull. That's very boring. Ooh, we're having ravioli. Not for me. Not for me, thank you very much indeed. There's all sorts of strange thing. Tortellini. Lasagna. What else we got here? Oh, and stu- tortellini stuffed pasta. Do you like tortellini? Oh, so boring. It really is. The trouble is, it's, it's, it's sort of... It's, I don't know why people eat it. It's boring and dull. You know, but that's, you know, it's just me, isn't it, really? It's, I'm having one of those bad days. I'm just sort of... You know, what I really want... I want my Chinese takeaway to do the sweet and sour chicken I used to have years ago, which was a piece of chicken, battered, and then sliced up. Oh, God, it was delicious. It was so good. So, so good. And um, and we don't know. We do have a Chinese takeaway in Twickenham, but it, it's a bit of a walk, you know. And I, I, I mean, I can walk, believe you me, but I just don't. Uh, but tortellini and all these, and they do it, and you know, oh, and different sauces. Generally, tomato based, which I quite like. I do. I do a tomato based sauce. I don't do it. I buy it in a thing, and then you squirt it into the thing. Well, funny that you do some mince in a frying pan. And uh, what did I have yesterday? Meatballs, I think. I think I had meat, but meatballs with rice. God knows why. I can't work out if meatballs are good for me. I don't know. I worry about the worry. The most worrying things, believe you. Dave says, so you wave at strangers, but you won't say thank you, driver. You mind your own business. I might say thank you, driver. I might be winding you up about that bit. Well, actually, the last three occasions, the driver's totally blanked us. So I'm not going to be saying thank you, driver, for somebody driving. I don't say thank you to myself when I get out of the car either. And uh, Debbie, who's... uh, and Gypsy Hill. I've had a biscuit the other day. It was a Gypsy Cream. I don't know why they call it a Gypsy Cream. It's a very odd one. But uh, it's sort of like sort of a biscuit crumbly thing with sort of some strange sort of fondant thing in the middle. Please don't write in with your favourite biscuits. It's not that sort of programme. Uh, Geralda says, a former Brit colleague, now resident in America for the past 27 years, recently came to London for a short holiday. We decided to meet for lunch in Oxford Street. In Oxford Where? Where in Oxford Street did you find? With the vast street work going on there at the moment, we decided to visit Marks and Spencer's to have lunch. 
The cafe served mainly light snacks, the snack consisting one bottle of orange juice, one bottle of Coca-Cola, two kids' ham sandwiches, one Bakewell slice, cost £10.25. Each sandwich consisted of a thin slice of ham in the middle of the bread. Slices cut lengthways, served in quarters. The bill, 10.25. She was shocked. We both were. However, we did get a chance to sit and chat because there's so few people around. Marks, when we've done that in Marks and Spencer's, is it Marks and Spencer's they've done? They do a lovely toasted sandwich. I love a toasted ham and cheese sandwich. Please don't write in with your favourite sandwich fillings. I'm not remotely in. It's not that sort of programme, OK? There are other stations for that, but uh, definitely not for me. Steve, next time you go to Iceland, try the wild boar sausages. I couldn't actually... Um, I really couldn't eat wild boar sausages. I don't know why, actually. I've eaten you know, I've eaten pork sausages. But uh, they. I, I don't know whether they're better for you wild. I've seen boar. Have you seen boars? <gasps> they're, they're running wild in certain parts of this country, and they farm them as well. And then I saw them on the... Would it have been the Serengeti? I wasn't there. I watched it. It was a documentary where I think the lions were trying to catch wild boar because wild boar move very quickly not as quickly as the lions though I should point out and so unfortunately a few of the wild boar came to a bit of a sticky end let's just put it that way uh, 84850 uh, Jan says uh, what an absolute farce Katie Price is I watched the loose women clip of her singing with two very mismatched uh, amateur dancers well I was surprised that they weren't better I was hoping that they would be better. What was she wearing? Uh, who knows? But, it, but you can see the look on the on the, the panel. They've obviously all been told, look, can you try and look animated? Colleen, concentrate. OK, try and clap your hands. in. T- Colleen, in time! You can hear, see her earpiece. Because, so uh, I mean, it was just impossible. Because Katie Price looked as bored as we all felt. There you go. Utterly talentless. She says, uh, on a more serious note... I have loved and appreciated the way you've dealt with recent atrocities. I didn't think there was any other way round it. I mean, seriously, it's it's just God knows. You know, if I'd been caught up in it, I'd probably be thinking exactly the same as other people do as well. It says, good to hear you sounding so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed since last week's procedure. Yes, I also think Grenfell Tower will still be discussed long after we've left this mortal coil. Should never have happened. No, but what's horrifying is that story of that man, isn't it, who who claimed that he lost people. I mean, I, I, I never understand things like that. If I live to be, you know, 65, please God, I will. OK, coming up to the uh, the news at uh, 6 o'clock this morning. Noreen's off to a good one tonight. She's going to Peterborough, lunchtime today, to see Brian Poole and the Tremolos and Vanity Fair. Third time seeing the show. She loves those uh, solid 60s shows. I've never even been to one. I've never even been to one. I wonder if they're on the internet. You must be able to find them, I suppose. But anyway, if you have just joined us, it's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. It's me. Hello. You know, no other introductions necessary. Follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. And every day we have a free podcast for you. We have this programme, which you can podcast later on. Details on the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. And then we have um, a free podcast. You just download the free app. And you get your free podcast every day where we're slightly tongue-in-cheek about celebrities. It's all very good, isn't it, really? Uh, Labour in Meltdown says, guess who? The Daily Mail. Humiliation for Corbyn. I think he just fired three, three, uh, three members. Baby Charlie's last hours with his mummy and daddy. They're not going to allow him to go home to die. He's going to die in the hospital. And uh, Sainsbury's setting off that fuel price war. There's always something, isn't there, to talk about. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your uh, company this morning. It's Friday, last day of the month. So tomorrow it's pinch and a punch as it's the 1st of July. What that means in the weather 
front, I've got no idea, because we have had flaming June, we've had wet June, we've had, you know, welcome to this country, if you've never been here before, we have all the seasons in one day. It can be absolutely tipping it down in the morning, and we can be into a heat wave by the afternoon. Nevertheless... It means that we've got a busy weekend ahead. Over in Kensington and Chelsea, they're, uh, they're having some very bad times, I'm afraid, at the moment. First of all, they want to conduct their meeting in private, uh, which they uh, attempted to do the other day. The court thought otherwise and said, I don't think so. And so the moment the, uh, the public and the press uh, came in, they, uh, they started shutting down. They've obviously got the, the, there's an arrogance that seems to be going on with this, doesn't it? And you really want it to be sorted out. You want there to be instant answers for these uh, people who whose lives have been affected and have been changed beyond belief. And they don't seem to be getting what they want. And I can understand to a certain extent how councillors sit there and, uh, and they go, well, we don't know the answers. They want, but what they want, what everybody wants, is a name. Who's the person who approved this thing? Is it the same person who's approved it and then all the other councils picked up on this cladding? Is that what it is? What was, what was the main problem? Is it in other office blocks? Yes, they found it. It's failed every single test along the way. Every, that's all people want. They want to have some answers. They want to, to find out. They want to know. The police are uh, saying, and the, and the fire brigade as well, I think they've got 80 deaths recorded. Uh, some people saying that there are hundreds more, and the police are not saying that. So whether or not this is people just sort of taking stuff off the internet and saying, well, there could be loads more people in there, they say no. They say no at the moment. So when you get the council who go, you know, we, uh, we, we don't want this open to the public. The public, what, we must have open discussion. We must have the opportunity for people to discover what happened. People lost people. And, it's, and they must be feeling very hard done by and very angry and very, very upset. I can understand that. It's a frustration. It's banging your head against a brick wall. You know, give us some answers, please. And that's all they want. It's, it's, it's interesting times because this, is, this story is not going away. This story will be talked about for years and years to come. It's as simple as that. And so we'll wait and see what happens today. Also, baby Charlie, his last hours with his mummy, uh, his uh, life support machine is going to be turned off today. I don't know at what time it's going to be turned off. And I don't know uh, whether or not, because I don't think there is any chance whatsoever. And this is this is this is going to be the test, isn't it? Uh, can he survive without the machine? The hospital say no. And so that's what they're going to do. He's, uh, he's not expected to live very much longer. But for the parents, the most agonising decision. They can't even take him home because they've been forbidden from doing that. It's awful, isn't it? At the end of somebody's life, this little child who can't swallow, can't do anything, is all of a sudden going to, you know, not have a life anymore. He's not going to know, you know, the, uh, sort of the joys of kicking a football or teething or walking. or do- Nothing, nothing like that. Nothing at all, and it's so sad. And uh, as I say, by tomorrow morning, we might be telling you a completely different story. A completely different story. Uh, Also, the supermarkets in the paper today, completely different uh, topic, uh, battling to save free cash machines. Now, I should imagine there's probably thousands of you listening who, when you go to the supermarket, you go to the cash point. You go and get some money out. And, uh, and that keeps you going. You either pay for your shopping with that. Most, a lot of people pay with cards for, for shopping. I don't. 
I, I prefer to be a cash person. They always say, sometimes they go, cash only on this till. That suits me fine because I use cash. I don't, I'm, I'm scared about using cards. I've heard about people cloning them and doing it. So I don't want to use a card. Especially if it's a shop I do not know. I will not use a card. I will only ever use cash. I've got to be, I've got to be really secure and safe in the knowledge that, you know, I've done everything to safeguard. So I don't, because you hear of people who get their cards cloned and things like that. I'm always looking at cash points. Is there somebody sitting in a car who's monitoring what you're doing and trying to work out what numbers you're actually pressing? Because some people put their hands over and cover it, don't they? I'm quite, I always look the other way because I I always think to myself, I don't want them to turn around and go, what are you looking at at the numbers? I say, listen, seriously, (laughs) there's no answer to it, is there? If somebody's, but that's how they manage to get your money out of your bank accounts. I've seen them operating in Oxford Street. You know, tourists are completely oblivious to the fact that they're being watched by gangs. Somebody will sort of stand there and they'll, they'll see them keying in the number, whatever it happens to be. The next thing they have to do is pickpocket the card. Once they've got the card, they've already got the PIN number, they, 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 they can then take money out. And uh, sometimes it happens. I've seen them even setting a trap for people. And you see people walking backwards and forwards a couple of times, thinking how easy it's going to be to pick up the bag. And one minute it's there and the next minute, psh, gone. It's amazing, isn't it? really. So, I mean, we just have to be careful in, in, so, many, in so many areas at the moment. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Eating or spreading toast, a little sane in comparison. But I saw a couple serving up noodle soup on Southwest trains. Oh, I've seen people eating pot noodle. How oh, do you get a pot noodle there? I've got no idea. Perhaps you get them in some of the... Uh, in some of the takeaways or something like that. I don't know. It only requires hot water, doesn't it? So I suppose in theory you could just go and get hot water from somewhere. I've got no idea. Uh, some of the other stories running in the paper today. It's the organ transplant. Six and a half thousand of you are waiting for transplants in this country. 200 of you are under 18. That's how many people are on the list. But for somebody to have a transplant, somebody else needs to... Uh, lose their life, and we're desperately short. It's like giving blood. At one time they used to do lots of adverts on the television about people giving blood, because we need blood. Although we actually did quite well a short while ago. They don't need any blood at the moment. Apparently the stocks are, are very good. I couldn't even tell you what my blood type is. Isn't that bizarre? I'm supposed to know these things. I don't know whether I'm... I don't have a clue. And at one t- somebody said, oh, this one's very rare. And I thought, well, I don't think I, I think I'm just common. And um, somebody else said, but, you know... Do you, why, why, why do you not know? I said, well, I'm assuming when you go into hospital, they just test your blood anyway, and they can tell you what it is. But I sh- perhaps I should have it written down. I carry a card saying I'm a diabetic. But I just carry that because I think it looks quite flash. <laughs> I seem to think it's like wearing glasses. For the first time you put glasses on, you go, this is really cool. I like glasses. I think glasses are very sexy. People used to go, oh, glasses are really unattractive. And you go, no, they're not. They're very, very attractive. People who wear glasses are very sexy people. As long as they keep them on. Uh, also, if you're flying to America, laptop checks. You know, my advice is don't really take one. It's easier, isn't it? Unless, of course, you're one of those business people who cannot go five minutes. But, you know, people spend up to six hours a day on their laptops now. It is so addictive. And you know why? It's because we just take it for granted. Every phone now, I don't think there are any phones available that don't have a screen that can carry movies. Or you can take photographs. Technology, as you've heard from Will, Will Guy, moves on at a pace. You know, every day there's there's a new Apple iPhone coming out, I think, which will be thinner. I haven't changed this Apple iPhone for some time. I haven't, in fact, haven't changed it for a few years now, mainly because I like it. And when I do the updates, it's fine. At one time, 4G was slipping in and out. Now it's, 
Let's have a quick check, actually. I'm, I'm permanently on because it's connected into this, uh, into this company. But uh, I get it on the train. It's, it's, it's much, much better now, the service. The quality is brilliant. Phone calls, brilliant. I mean, everything is, is good about it. Every, it's a bit too worrying, this, isn't it? I don't like it when everything goes too well. I'm very worried about that. Uh, your favourite meat is chicken, and they're still sticking the knives into Diana. This, uh, this book by Penny Juna. Uh, this time it's the, uh, it's the making of a royal mistress. Flirty, exuberant and very racy. It's basically, um, you know, welcome to Queen Camilla. You know, if they think it's ever going to get to that situation. But as I say, I mean, even if you disagreed with it, you're not going to have any choice because the royal family will do what they what they want to do. They will always do it. The Queen will always support Charles in everything he does. But uh, but when you read some of the uh, the headlines today from uh, from basically Queen Camilla, it's uh, they've sort of bigged her up something amazing. She was adored at home, confident and flirty, not to mention the snogging at the pony club. He was tortured, miserable and never felt truly loved by his parents. Rarely have opposites been so attracted. Camilla's mother abhorred the word class and flirted with voting Labour. It's everything done to make you go, oh, this woman, his letters to Philip. From school were heartbreaking. I dread going to bed as I get hit all night long. His father was unmoved. They all got sent to the same place, didn't they, I think? They all sort of survived, I think. Only she can diffuse his explosive tempers. She made a beeline for Kate's uncle. Buckingham Palace is not a home. Well, it's not. It's a palace. It's not a home, really. That's why the actual area that they live in is quite small by comparison. You don't think the Queen runs up and down the throne room, do you? Going, It's a working palace. It's there to entertain foreign dignitaries, and uh, and it all works. She just had a pay increase. I think she gets an extra six million a year, because I think the Duchy of Tur- or, the, or the Queen or something, they, they whatever they they've done, they've actually turned over more money now. So they give more to us than we give back to them. But uh, they are quite frugal in in a way. You know, they aren't they aren't sort of like the Ecclestons, who are sort of vulgar money. Well, I don't I don't think Bernie's vulgar money. I think Bernie is old school, and I think he will just uh, you know. You know, he just likes ordinary things. Whereas I think the girls, because they've been spoilt rotten from an early age, they're just used to behaving like this. You know, if something costs a million. I think in one of the houses that Petra bought is um, the one that was built by Aaron Spelling's wife over in California. And what she did, she took a picture of Buckingham Palace. She showed it to an architect and went, build it. And this house, I think Petra paid £142 million for the ridiculous thing is it's got something like 60 bedrooms. Well, you know, she looks like Billy Nomates, so I shouldn't imagine they're ever filled. But it would be fully staffed and looked after. And you think, but that's just ridiculous. Who wants 60 bedrooms? You know, that's 60 sets of... That's like full-time laundry people working in there. That's, you know, that's like a hotel. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. So there's vulgar money, and then there's the uh, quite frugal... I mean, you don't see Charles driving around, you know, in... You know, nice cars, but they don't... He doesn't waste money on clothes. You won't see him going out going, Dolce Gabbana jeans. You know, they're not that sort of thing. I mean, even the boys, William and Harry, they're not exactly the best dressed, are they? They've either got uniforms on, or this sort of... Harry looks like he's been dressed by Oxfam, poor soul. Not that there's anything the matter with Oxfam. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 6.20 is the time. Tomorrow, the 1st of, uh, of July. Cliff Richards... Spent over £70,000, according to the paper today, dealing with online trolls. You know, he's already got um, money back from South Yorkshire Police. They paid him damages. Um, he's still pursuing his other uh, claims because he was treated badly. 
It's as simple as that. He was treated badly. These were unsubstantiated claims. They came out and uh, and somebody somewhere made a big mistake. Big mistake. Somebody at South Yorkshire Police. Mind you, they're really coming in for it, South Yorkshire Police, aren't they? It's so much easier, you know, sort of not to have to mention them ever again. Nice picture of uh, Kate. This is the Duchess of Cambridge. She was opening the V&A... Uh, museum's new exhibition road quarter, 56.4 million. And still, 56.4 million, you get the V&A quarter. Roman Abramovich, one and a half billion pounds on some silly boat. Just imagine the good you could do with one and a half billion pounds. Uh, sick top, Charlie Gard, set to have his life support withdrawn today, you know that. It's in, uh, it's in all the papers. Uh, Dad Chris and Mum Connie... Told yesterday they'd been stopped from taking him home to die as they prepared for his final hours. Uh, in a Facebook post, the couple wrote, We're not allowed to choose if our son lives. We're not allowed to choose when or where Charlie dies. We, and most importantly, Charlie, have been massively let down. You can imagine how they're feeling. You can Im- Well, you probably can't imagine, but I'm telling you, they're going to be feeling pretty bad. The European Court of Human Rights refused on Tuesday to get involved in the legal battle, raging between 10-month-old Charlie's parents and his doctor's at Great Ormond Street, which is a fantastic hospital. I mean, it really is a fantastic hospital. Oh, Adrian, good morning. <laughs> is that jazz hands? Is that jazz hands? <laughs> well, that looked quite good. I, I think I've done those ones before. Uh, Connie and, uh, and Chris wanted their son to go to America, you remember, and £1.3 million was raised. £1.3 million. They're going to donate that to a, to a charity... Um, and when they turn off the machinery, as I say, they don't know how long it will be. That They wanted to give him a bath at home, put him in the cot, which he's never slept in. All those things that you just you take for granted that other parents are lucky enough to do. They say, uh, we begged for the weekend. Friends and family wanted to come and see him for the last time. Doctors said they wouldn't rush to turn off the ventilator, but uh, we're being rushed. The couple... Uh, offered to pay for Charlie and his ventilator to be moved back home so he could die there, but these they say the doctors uh, refused. Uh, Chris says, our parental rights have been stripped away. We can't even take our own son home to die. They even said no to a hospice. Great Ormond Street said it couldn't discuss details, but added it's a very distressing situation for Charlie's parents. It is. It's a, it's a terrible situation. It really is. And they, they are focused on them, but you can imagine the frustration... The frustration of a hospital trying to explain a procedure and trying to say, listen, it's, it's not going to make any difference. I mean, he is one of only 16, Charlie, one of 16 tots in the world with this depletion syndrome. I think it's mitochondrial, I think so, which causes muscle weakness and brain damage. And he was never going to survive very long. But they obviously want to keep him as long as they can. And that's why it's so, it's so sad and it's so, so tragic. Uh, other stories in the uh, papers today, and a kind of he, you know, little Charlie, I think, is going to be in everybody's thoughts today. Everybody's thoughts. Uh, they're talking about, after ten years of great leaps, what's next for mobile technology? They next say it's augmented reality. will project info about what you look for. You said, what were those glasses that came up? Were they Google glasses? Which I, I tried them. And that was a really weird experience. I was offered to, to, to buy a pair, and I thought, would I ever use it? And I thought, no, I probably wouldn't. But I quite like the idea of sort of putting glasses on and then you can see a film or you can, uh, you know, see, uh, you know, images. And it's, it's reality, isn't it? It's where you... Are. I don't know whether I'd want to do that. Very shortly, we'll all be sitting in cinemas. They'll just give you a pair of headphones, won't they, with, uh, with lenses at the front. You'll just sit there staring into the distance. 
I don't know. Such a worry, isn't it? Like the things we worry about. People will say to me at Christmas, what do you want for Christmas? I go, nothing, seriously. I've bought enough technology over the years. Some of it I've used, some of it I haven't used. But at the end of the day, it comes down to, could you live without your telephone? And the answer is, no, you blooming well couldn't. Pound for pound, bargain shops aren't always cheap. They've got loads of items here. Uh, pound items sold cheaper elsewhere. So, Dettol liquid hand wash, pound and a pound. Asda, 93p. All right, 37p. Uh, Johnson's baby powder, pound and pound. Ocado, 83 pence. Tunnock's tea cakes, Poundland, pound. It's a bit boring to tell you the price of these. 80 pence in Asda. Uh, Snickers, a pound for four. Uh, 35.5 gram bars in pound stretcher. Asda, a pound for four, 42 gram bars, so bigger. Uh, Jacob's Cheddars, pound in Poundland, Asda, 50p. Cotton Buds. See, I buy cotton buds. Strangely enough, I buy cotton buds from... From Poundland. <laughs> I, do, I don't know why. I, do. I just thought they, they were cheap in there. And then I discovered them in Costco. But if, if you go to Ocado, they're 66p. Special K. Poundland, two quid. Tesco, 149. So, but then can you really be bothered to trek around to all the supermarkets? You see, I always think if you go to the supermarket, some things you buy are cheaper. And other things are really, really expensive. Bed hopping, bum flashing, boob cupping. Words you never thought you'd hear on LBC. It's Love Island, the show which is just so boring. I think some people like it because, they, I mean, contestants' parents must cringe at uh, the antics these uh, these people get up to. But if they think that's the way to do their career, if they think that is a career, well, then brilliant for them. But uh, I think after a while, you're going to start seeing the uh, reality show backlash. And I think people are going to start, you know, turning it off and just going, not another bunch of, uh, of old has-beens. And they've got one man here, uh, Daddy and his little girl. Her name's Tyler, T-Y-L-A. It's the Chav spelling. And, uh, and you, you just wonder, really, whether or not parents watch these things and go, oh, God. What was that programme they did on the television? Where they send the kids away on holiday and the parents follow, but the kids don't know they're there. And the parents are observing them on holiday, and they suddenly realise that their little loved ones, sons, sex and suspicious parents, and they get drunk, they bed people, they take their clothes off in the street, and the parents watch everything. And uh, some, of the, some of the kids are very good. Some of them are just a disgrace. One mother came back and said to her son, I felt embarrassed. Ooh, I felt embarrassed that, um, that you were behaving like that. And he sort of, he was being admonished on television. You know, really embarrassing. But I thought, well, fair enough. But that's what people are like. People do behave badly when they go away. People behave because they think the parents don't see us. And to be honest with you, I don't think parents should see half the things you do. They'd be horrified. Horrified. They really would. Because, you know, parents like to think they brought you up, you behaved well. And, you know, your mummy's little pride and joy and all that kind of thing. And not really... You know, if, 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 you, if you say to young people nowadays, do your parents know everything you do? They go, absolutely not. Because they, they, they'd be amazed. So on some sex, see, some sex and suspicious parents, not easy to say, is it? You know, you, you get these people who behave badly. And the parents, you think, do you just want to be on television? Or are you just a bit, bit dim that you want to go on there to see what your child is like? Because you, you can just tell. I mean, you know, there's another one where they've got holiday reps where, you know, they're all bed-hopping, and that's all it is now. And so exactly the same on Love Island, where they sit there looking as if butter wouldn't melt, 
And it turns out they're as bad as all the other people. It's like even on Made in Chelsea. You'd think they'd have a bit of class, wouldn't you? No class whatsoever. They might have had a good education. They're still bed-hopping. You know, the still single-girl pregnancies down in Chelsea, let me tell you, as Binky Felsted has demonstrated. I forgot to mention this book, actually, earlier on. I got this, uh, this lovely book the other day. I'm probably going to have to talk about it uh, uh, over the weekends because it's a beautiful... I'm, I'm not even going to tell you what it is, actually. I'm going to do that sort of dangling the carrot... And uh, it's making it. I wonder what that book is that Steve got. Because uh, I've, I've I've had some lovely books, and this is this is a lovely book. You know, you get some books, and you go, "That's a nice book." This is a super book, and this is a super book. Uh, another one here. A lot of people talking about how many people eat on train. Not as good as me and the um, and the toaster, is it though? Or filling that, taking a little travel kettle on board and boiling up a cup of tea. That'd be quite a nice thing to do. Uh, Re-contactless cards and machines. You can buy the machine online and walk around crowded areas like the Tube. And if it comes within close of a card, it'll take 30 quid each time. Will it? Is that just a, not um, an urban myth? I think that sounds... If you don't want contactless on the card, you have to apply. Well, put it this way, I have contactless and nobody's ever walked around with a machine standing near me to take 30 quid off the card. I, I, think, that's, uh, I think that's an apocryphal story. I think it's an urban myth. I love an urban myth. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Nick Ferrari this morning. Yes, he is going to be here. (laughs) Even though he must have done so many miles yesterday. Uh, With breakfast, the Queen's speech has passed through Parliament without amendment, but only thanks to a guarantee from the Chancellor that women travelling from Northern Ireland will no longer pay to have abortions in England. Was the right decision made? And is this just another example of the fragile state the government is in? Plus, after Jeremy Corbyn sacked three members of his front bench for defying his orders to abstain from a vote to keep Britain in the single market, just how important is being a part of it? That's all with Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning from 7 here on uh, LBC. Uh, Somebody says, so, Mr DJ, this is Chris... K-R-Y-S. I mean, there is the chav spelling of all chav spellings. What was the B-side of Spirit in the Sky? Milk cow. Come on, you're talking to an expert. Heavens above. I mean, I'm... Oh, dear, honestly. I was playing records whilst you weren't even being thought about by your parents. And the one thing you did do, and and the only reason I know that, is because I bought the single quite clearly. And if you had a little record player, which you had to to play the blooming things, it wasn't like, you know, on your telephone, you literally played it, and you played it, and, you, and then you turned it over. And you played the B-side as well. It was the only time you ever did it with singles. On albums, obviously, there was a, d- a different thing on the other side of the album. But no, on singles, you always knew what the B-side was, because you played it. I could probably attempt to sing Milk Cow for you, but it wasn't really that good at all. The only one we liked was uh, was Spirit in the Sky. And uh, and it, it came out three times. The last time was about 2000, because I'd forgotten about Doctor and the Medics did it. It was just it's a good song, but I'd like Gareth Gates doing it too. I thought Gareth Gates and the Kumars, I thought, was really cute. But you can't beat the original. You can never beat the originals of these records. But that's why I was very good at um, at sort of playing records and knowing the B-sides. Because you would listen to it just in case it was good. There were certain records which had really good B-sides and people were playing them. And in fact, one of those highlighted cases, of course, was poor old Jasper Carrot, who had um, Funky Moped as the A-side. And on the B-side was something called Magic Roundabout. What did people want? They wanted to hear Magic Roundabout. It was it was a bit rude. Not terribly, terribly rude, but a little bit rude. And so people wanted it play- in discotheques. People would stop and listen 
to Magic Roundabout by Jasper Carrots. Funky Moped was a sort of, uh, when the morning moped out on the streets, we've got a ride, a ride, a ride. And it was, it was OK. It was a comedian doing it. And I love Jasper Carrot. He's brilliant. I love Golden Balls, one of my favourite shows on the television. But uh, it, was, it was the B-side that made the song famous. So people wanted Magic Roundabout. Funky moped was, you know, disposable, but interesting. OK, front pages of the papers this morning for this Friday, the 30th of June. Uh, the Daily Mirror have a plea to Theresa May. It's a picture of a little boy here. His name is Max Johnson. He's nine. Max needs a new heart. As Scotland joins Wales in altering the rules on organ donation, we call for the same in England to give him and thousands of others a far, far greater chance of life. Change the law for Max. That's what they're, they're going with. Because I said before, there are more than 200 under-18s who are waiting. There's nearly 7,000 people who are waiting for transplants in this country. And that's what they want. He, he's nine. He needs a new heart. I mean, whatever age you've got to, ladies and gentlemen, you're doing a lot better than he is. He needs a lot more help. Uh, also, a ring of steel and concrete's been thrown around Wimbledon. They've got these big things that we've got in London by um, Admiralty Arch. It's like sort of a yellow thing that you sort of go through and we put up all sorts of things, which is, you know, which is fine. But they've had to do it at Wimbledon as well. You know, it's the forefront of their mind. They have to make sure that people are safe. And I think people going to Wimbledon would want to make sure that they were safe as well. The Daily Mail today, flirty, exuberant and very racy. The making of a royal mistress. This is Camilla Parker Bowles, uh, who married Prince Charles uh, after Diana, bearing in mind... You know, without wishing to sort of rehash old ground again, they were having the relationship long before Diana came along and it carried on. Even after he'd married Diana, he was slipping off to go and see Camilla. And uh, when Diana died, that was the uh, that was all they needed. They left it a reasonable amount of time. Then he announced he was going to get married. The boys were sort of fine. I don't think they were quite prepared for Penny Juna's book, uh, which is basically trash their mother. I mean, you know, for people who were fans of Diana, this must be a, a right kick in the teeth. Uh, Labour in meltdown. Who would write that? Nobody apart from the Daily Mail. Humiliation for Corbyn as he axes three shadow ministers after 49 of his MPs rebel over the Brexit vote. You, kn you knew that you were going to get this kind of publicity. It's going to be swings and roundabouts for ages. Baby Charlie's last hours with his, uh, with his mummy. Um, he's in hospital, as you know, and um, he's, he's in this, this state. As I said before, there's only 16 of these little tots in the world who've actually uh, who've actually got this illness for which there is no cure for which there is nothing that they can do for him they've just they've just kept him going at the moment the parents agony as the doctors turn off the life support today but they can't take him home they'll just have to accept the fact that uh, well they they must have wrestled with this in their mind time and time and time again it's awful but they've got some lovely pictures of Connie and Chris sleeping beside Charlie yesterday they also did an online video message. Uh, they wanted to sit on the sofa with him at home. They wanted to do all these things that you can't do. You know, and that's, and that's what is so heartbreaking. Um, he has to die in the hospital. They're just not prepared to, uh, to do anything else. And there is no, there's no compromise on this. Um, uh, they said here, we, we have begged them today to give us this weekend, but they're not going to have this weekend. It's going to happen today. How long after they take him off the ventilator he died? I have no idea. They haven't said that at all. They say he's still fighting. You can see on our T-shirts, it says, if he's still fighting, we're still fighting. He's a little fighter. He's a little soldier. He's a little trooper. We will fight to the very end, but we're not allowed to fight for him anymore. 
Uh, Connie says, on the 4th of August 2016, that was the best day of our lives, the day that Charlie was born. The 30th of the 6th, 2017, is going to be the worst day of our lives. Charlie will die in Great Ormond Street Hospital. And uh, then they just said thank you to people. Heartbreak, absolutely heartbreaking. Awful thing. You can't, you can't read a worse story in a newspaper, can you really? Uh, the sun this morning, uh, all ready for romps. It's Love Island again. I think we kind of shoved uh, poor old big brother to one side, so it makes no difference whether Ben Cohen has to drag his weary carcass in there to be boring. I don't, nobody cares anymore. They're all talking about Love Island. But then every so often they have to come up with a programme that they go, oh, this is great, and everybody gets behind it, and, and uh, all the columnists get invited on to the show as well so they can talk about it, because most of the TV critics absolutely love being on television. I mean, there, there are some of them. You never see them off television, which is a bit, uh, a bit embarrassing. I was laughing in the week, says, uh, says Gary. You're talking about the collector's item jewellery that they sell, you know, £19. Exactly what I think when I watch it. (coughs) This is on... They sell jewellery on television. All all sorts of places sell it. And they go, oh, collectors are up for this one. Look at this. This is Tanzanite. Well, obviously tons of it. It's advertised in every paper every day. And they get really excited about Tanzanite. And then they go, and here collectors are going for this one. We've only got 300. And uh, it's it's coming down... And then, then they start doing their worst acting. You think Kate Price's singing was bad. You actually see the acting on some of these shopping-type channels on the television where they flog this sort of tat. And they go, are we, are we allowed to bring it down to this price? You think, of course you are, dear. It's what you rehearsed. But they stare vacantly into the camera. And then they get animated. I can't, it's, it's, oh, it's coming down. How much is it going to go down? I can't believe it. I can't, are we really doing it for that price? Get on the phone now. Get on the phone now. It really is. It's the worst acting you've ever seen. It's a little bit like Hollyoaks, only with sort of people who have passed their sell-by and obviously failed the audition for Hollyoaks. Venus blamed for death crash. This is uh, Venus Williams has been blamed by police over a car crash which killed a 78-year-old man just days before the start of Wimbledon. Venus was trying to get through a junction when traffic backed up and she got stuck blocking the road. Her 4x4 was then sideswiped by another car Crossing through the intersection. You can read more in the uh, the Sun on the front page for today. Front page of the Express. Male MPs, you don't have to wear a tie anymore. Why? Why? If that's their uniform, if that's what they wear, they wear suits, let them wear ties. It's a bit smarter, isn't it? You'll be telling me they can sort of sit in the House of Commons in a pair of jeans. Sandals. It's ridiculous. Darren said what? Darren Adam can't do a tie. Why can't he do a tie? Is that because he can't do a tie or he, he, he can't do it up? I remember as, as a child having to learn how to tie a tie. The only one I can't do is the Windsor knot. And it's the only knot I like, but I can't do it. And I used to, when I was young, you know, your mum and dad do your tie for you. And you look at you go, wearing a tie, wearing a tie. Nowadays, I don't. Lots of people around here wear, wear ties. You know, there are some, some very posh, but they have to. If they're going out somewhere, which is important, you want to show a little bit of respect, you wear a tie. If they don't wear a tie, as I say, it's the thin end of the wedge. It is. I mean, it's it's downhill from here on in. They'll have people shout. Oh, they do shout, don't they, in the House of Commons? Just remember, they're very noisy. They sit down. Order. Order. Goes poor old Burke. Oh. And uh, and sort of people... And they still keep shouting. They think, you think, we can't hear when you're shouting. Don't shout all the time. It's very boring, very boring. Uh, I'm very sad about Charlie and his poor parents... Uh, but they really have to believe what the doctors say. They're extremely clever and highly experienced. Yes, and they know this this illness. I mean, it, it is, it's a terrible thing. No parent should ever have to go through that at all. And um, I bought a vinyl single the other day. When I played it, it was just three minutes of buzzing. 
Then I realised I'd played the B side. Thank you. That's so bad, actually, really. We need to pass it on to sort of less successful programmes. Yes, and you're banned, by the way. You'll never contact a living person ever again. Uh, Injured Angie, Andy, to fight pain in bid for Wimbledon glory. This is Andy Murray. So he's got uh, he's got pain. I don't I don't want to. You know what it's like at Wimbledon. We can have that, aren't we? And as usual, there'll be the covers brought on, and we'll all sit there while it rains, and we'll go. This is really boring. I just can't get into Wimbledon. Mind you, it's like cricket for me. Cricket is equally boring. So and they go. Well, where the hell's the ball gone? Where the hell has the ball gone? You know, the cameraman by this time is going, I don't know, where it is? Where is it? Smash. But uh, And then you get the, uh, the the commentary. I like listening to the commentary on things like that. But, you know, somebody said to me, you should listen to it on the radio and then watch it on the television. I always go, why don't you get a life? So much easier, isn't it, really? I like to be rude about this. It's only because I'm not interested in something. If I'm not interested in something, I, I can't get excited. I've never been to a football match. I've never been to a rugby match. And we have loads of rugby in Twickenham. Well, we have it in Witten, but we sort of cross the border. It's OK as long as you take your passport. But I, I'm just not... In, I can't think of anything worse than standing there and people shouting, you know, or sort of doing a Mexican... I could do the Mexican wave and I'd probably do the strip tease on the pitch and run across there while people tried to tackle me to the ground. But, I mean, apart from that, I'm not remotely interested. I really am not. I've never been to a, a cage fight. I've never been to a boxing match. I've actually got a life. I just, I just, and then you turn on the television there it is. Another football match with boring, planky footballers. God, Struth saved me. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. 12 minutes to 7 is the time. Uh, The Guardian this morning, abortion concession. Heads off Tory revolt on the Queen's speech. Uh, Also, Labour urges the government no grubby deals on Sky. This is what they were talking about the other day. Ministers have been told by Labour not to do a grubby deal with the Murdochs to push through 21st century Fox's £11.7 billion takeover of Sky. After Ofcom warned there were serious concerns that a takeover would hand the family increased influence over news and politics in the UK. But that's the same with everything, isn't it, really? You know, Murdoch's got The Sun and uh, The Sunday Times and he's got Sky as well. And so that does give you a, a sort of a bit of a stranglehold, I should imagine. Certainly appears. I think he had 30% before and he just wanted all of it. And why not? Why not? Super rich, raking in public cash for farmers. Apparently, £18 million of farm subsidies go to the UK's wealthiest landowners. Billionaires who benefit include Sir James Dyson, Dukes, Saudi Prince and the Queen. It's also on the list. £18 million in subsidies. Woo! My goodness me. That is, uh, that is a lot of money. Uh, Trump has attacked uh, a TV host over a facelift. He criticised a television presenter in a highly personal tone the other day, describing her as crazy and having been bleeding from a facelift when she visited one of his golf resorts on New Year's Eve. I sometimes see a picture of Trump sitting in the, uh, in the Oval Office and I, I can't, it looks a bit like a joke. I can't quite believe he's actually, uh, actually sort of sitting there or actually, or actually doing anything. And uh, Mark in Kent says, and uh, put a tie on, he says, and put up a new picture. You're joking. That's the thinnest picture you're ever going to see of me. I'm looking at it now. It's a fabulous picture. Okay. Also, it's MPs. MPs, I think, really do and should wear ties. It's like turning up to a funeral. The funeral director's got jeans and a T-shirt on. 
or a leather jacket or something. You know, that's just ridiculous. You expect to see people, you know, looking a bit smart, people around here. We have sort of dressed down days. I don't think there is any compulsion within this building and this organisation to be wearing a suit. I've seen one of our bosses, big boss, wearing a pair of shorts. Oh, no, that was a dream. Anyway, and, um, yeah, but you can wear anything. As long as you, you know, you, you take pride in your appearance. You look, you look smart or you just look, uh, look good. That's the whole idea. I mean, I, I fail on both counts, I'm afraid. I can look like a sack of potatoes quite easily. Uh, the Times this morning, Tory backbenchers force weakened May into abortion U-turn. And uh, uh, back from the cold, Xander Parrish making a triumphant return to the Royal Ballet as the lead in Swan Lake. Uh, the dancer from Hull began his career at Covent Garden before being poached by St. Petersburg Marlinsky Ballet. I never quite get ballet, but I watch anything that Matthew Bourne does. Isn't it funny? Because I think he makes it very, very accessible to me. If you say ballet, they go, oh, that's a bit posh, isn't it? And, and, and you go, have you ever seen any of Matthew Bourne's things? They're absolutely brilliant. Keep cost of cladding down, tower experts told. Emails reveal council pressure over Grenfell refit. This is, this is going from bad to worse. I told you, we'll be talking about this one for years to come. Minutes of meetings, price outlines and other correspondence seen by the Times suggest a focus on cost-cutting before the £8.6 million refurbishment, which has been linked to the fire that left at least 80 people dead this month. The records include little evidence of safety concerns. So it's, it's cost, which is what we thought first time around. Everything's cost nowadays, isn't it? It's a case of, yes, we want to do that. How much is it going to cost? Can we get it done any, any cheaper? And the answer is, yeah, we can do it a little bit cheaper. We can put up some substandard things. Little realising, little realising that, um, that in fact, you were going to have that, that disaster. I don't think anybody could ever, ever have uh, predicted that. And uh, I don't ever want to see it again. But what worries me is that it might be happening again. It might. Uh, nice picture of the Queen uh, meeting John Oliphant, who's the High Commissioner of Lesotho. Uh, wearing a, a very, very interesting outfit. Very interesting. That's something. She does get to see things, doesn't she, the Queen? I'm very impressed. Also, drivers now facing a fine for not turning your engines off outside a school. So, you know, you're waiting for the little little loved ones. And out they come, and you've been sitting there for 15 minutes with your engine still on. So they're thinking of fines now to stop people leaving the engines on. They don't say how much. They don't say how much. I mean, the RSC, I think, have also... Uh, I've also backed it. And I suppose I would, if I thought about it, cars pumping out things in London. I mean, the mayor seemed very keen on, you know, making sure. Yeah, and also, just get the, get the bus, walk down the road. I mean, what is this? Going to collect your children from school. What mamby-pamby children have you got? It's above, it's ridiculous. I get on the train every day. You know, if I'm getting on the train early, there are hundreds, hundreds of school children that get on the trains. They're very noisy, they're very boisterous, and they've got loads of bags and everything else. And then you get the kids who get driven by their mummies. What for? Get the bus. What is the reason for driving your child to school? It clogs up roads. It's very inconvenient. Go and meet them at school gates by all means if you want to walk back. But don't take the car. Children, so they get up. Um, very tired. Uh, do you want some breakfast? No, oh, sleep. As they sit in the car, uh, out for the count... So then they get out at school, their brain is not active. If they've had to get the train through the wind, the rain, and just about every other uh, sort of part of the weather forecast you can have in this country, well then, you know, they, they're much better when they get to school because they've had some air, you know, and it wakes you up. If I sort of literally got out of bed in the morning, you know, put my clothes on, got in the car, get in the building, straight on air, you know, it would. you need to wake up. 
You need to have your cups of coffee. You need to get the air. But, you know, when you see the kids sitting in the car, they look as though they've died. And you get out the other end and go, see you later, bye. And you think, no, they need to get the bus. They need to get the train. It's the only way to do it. It's the only way they're going to concentrate. Oh, look. Look into my eyes, and it's uh, Prince Charles. Uh, he's, on, uh, he's on a trip to Canada with the Duchess of Cornwall. And uh, he was modelling some glasses. They can manage to get old Charles to do anything now, can't they? We'd like to put this on. We'd like to put that on, and he does it. And um, the Inuit have worn such goggles for 10,000 years. They're sort of spe- they've got slits in, as opposed to, I mean... Sounds quite exciting, doesn't it, really? I quite like that idea. The House of Commons Chamber is so bound by tradition that MPs may not address each other by name, refer to the House of Lords or conduct business without a gilded mace on a table in front of them. A quiet revolution took place yesterday, which means the Commons will never quite be the same again. Male MPs will no longer be expected to wear neckties in the chamber after John the Burke, the Speaker, decided they were not essential. So what he's done is he's swept aside uh, more than 100 years of tradition, during which jackets and ties were considered a vital sign of respect for the House. Lord, the move was welcomed by the Lib Dem MP, whose tireless appearance in the Commons prompted the ruling by Mr Burko, but other MPs got rather hot under the collar. This is Tom Brake. He's been in here loads of times. I've never even noticed whether he's wearing a tie or not. It looks better. But anyway, uh, MP Peter Bone... Raised a point of order in the Commons, asking the Speaker whether it meant the rules had changed. Mr Burko, the man who decided in 2009 that the Speaker should no longer wear a wig or stockings, replied, the general expectation is that members should dress in business-like attire. So far as the chair is concerned, I must say this will gravely displease him. As long as a member arrives in the House in business-like attire, the question of whether that member is wearing a tie is not absolutely front and centre stage. So am I minded not to call a member simply because that member is not wearing a tie? No. It's a thin end of the wedge, ladies and gentlemen. Tom Brake has tweeted, Who says Brexit dominates the political agenda? My attempt to ask, hashtag PMQ, Tylus, has roused traditionalists from their slumber. Revolution! Just need a leader now, don't you, Tom? Got to find one of those. But I'm sure it's all going well. If you don't want to wear a tie, you don't wear a tie. I don't know. Would it make any difference? I don't know. It's like going into a... A food shop and not seeing somebody, you know, with their head covered or something like that. I mean, there's so many anomalies, aren't there, that are sort of going on out there. I don't know. But uh, ties. I think people, some people look, look good in ties. Some people look very good in ties. Uh, Burko has reduced standards in Parliament, says Mick, turning the members into chavs. Oh, it's ridiculous. He hasn't turned them into chavs. They were chavs beforehand. What are you talking about? What do you think? They're all well healed? Good God, no. Good God, no. Uh, ridiculous bloody school run, Steve. Katie Price still trying to promote her diet shake. Really? Good God. Well, in, in between the singing as well, I suppose. The singing, it's on Instagram, is it? Oh, dear. Well, we don't, don't bother with things like that. Don't take a blind bit of notice. Seriously, it's just, it's just ridiculous. Listen, I've got to go. I just realised. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. The best of Steve Allen between five and six. Between six and seven, Eddie Izzard. And Sandra Dickinson will be joining me. Lots of conversation. You can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. Download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet and uh, never miss a moment. Let me just quickly run through some of those stories which we, uh, we didn't get round to talking about today. Uh, we, did the, um, we, we didn't do enough on Adele. She's trying to raise loads of money at the concert, so she, uh, she swears quite, quite a bit, actually. 44 F words she did at the last concert. One A word. 
You'll have to work that one out for yourself. One P word. And yes, it was that one. One D word and seven S words. I don't even know seven S words. Uh, Jerry Horner, Halliwell, as was, has got a little electric car pootling around town. Love Island, the reality show, they now think it maybe has gone too far. And if you want to live till you're 125, most people say you must be joking. We don't live to 125. Uh, baby Charlie will be watching very carefully for today. And the passengers going to America. They're doing long delays there because of the laptop checks. And uh, Bender Light Beckham. First picture you've ever seen of David Beckham, who looks out of the count, I'm afraid. At 10 o'clock this morning, leading Britain's conversation, it's James O'Brien. We're coming up next with breakfast. It's Nick Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.